Ladies and gentlemen, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. edition of the Hagman Report, Doug Hagman, Joe Hagman, reporting live from the radio and television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. Welcome to everyone. Uh, our website, HagmanReport.com, there you can find show information, important show information. We had a great show lined up for you tonight. We've got, uh, at the bottom of the hour, we've got uh, Coach Dave Dobmeyer from uh, Pass Assault Ministries, CoachDaveLive.com, and then uh, following that, we've got two hours of IQ El Razuli going to talk to us straight about the threat of Islam. And, uh, hang on a second. Hang on. Who, who's asking for a Labor Day rundown in my ear? <laughs> I, uh, who, who's asking for a Labor Day? Stop you, have insan- you have insanity in my earpiece. You've got insanity. Stop the hammering. Who's hammering? Stop the hammering. Look, if I have to call Phil Griffin myself, I'm going to call. Stop. I can't work like this. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's so funny. I can't work like this. Folks, go to HagmanReport.com. Stop the hammering. Anybody got, any, anybody can get, anybody can get in my ear, earpiece. Stop the hammering. <laughs> We're making reference to an article that's up on HagmanReport.com. Leaked. Watch MSNBC's Lawrence O'Donnell unhinged outtakes for eight crazy minutes. And folks, if you want to laugh, it's well worth a watch. He, uh, has somebody in the control room talking about Labor Day holidays in his earpiece, and he gets all flustered and angry, starts pounding on the desk, dropping F-bombs. Yeah, there you go. And uh, it's pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) And we joked because it's like the Bill O'Reilly video. We'll do it live on uh, Inside Edition when he used to do that, the famous one everybody knows. But um, if we could get some behind-the-scenes footage of that guy... (laughs) We even have our own roll of outtakes, and it'd be pretty funny. But no, it's a. If you want to laugh, check it out. Lawrence O'Donnell. Threw my pencil. I can't find my pencil. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> he did. And folks, go to HagmanReport.com. There's a number of interesting articles up there today. One of my favorites. James Clapper says he was unaware of Manafort wiretap order. What's really interesting about this is that in a March 5th interview on Meet the Press. Clapper said that he would have been aware of a FISA warrant on a member of the Trump campaign, even one granted to the FBI. Asked if he would, uh, if there was such a warrant that was obtained, Clapper denied it. We now know a secret FISA warrant was issued for Paul Manafort, who lived in Trump Tower at the time, and this was going on before, during, and after the election. So the claim that Trump made did Obama and the administration wiretap his Trump Towers. And was there wiretaps in there? Whether they were on him directly or his campaign staff, it doesn't matter because Clapper and others both said that it was absolutely not only not Donald Trump, not in Trump Tower, but not on anybody in his campaign. So basically James Clapper, as we all know, has just you know been caught in another lie. Uh, Susan Rice, the same thing. Continuing to be caught in lies from Benghazi 
and the innocence of Muslims excuse for Benghazi to the lying about unmasking American citizens in um, that that it were surveilled uh, with the unmasking and also claiming that she did not do the unmasking after it came out that it was done for political purposes. Susan Rice uh, has no business, really has no business at all with respect. I mean, her, she's got no business at all being, um, getting any, any secure communications intelligence to the level, to the extent that she did. And, and I played on my morning show the, uh, the March 5th, 2017 appearance from uh, James Clapper. Right. All right. And then, because that was the March 4th, 2017 tweet from Donald Trump where he said he was more tapped and everyone was making fun of him. Clapper went on Meet the Press the following day and said, hey, I, no, you know, I would know. It didn't happen. And that's said he said he would know. Even he if the FBI know, right? was, was yeah. granted the uh, FISA right. request. And, and, you know, I, I talked about this on my morning show because and if you think about this, all right, if he just for a moment consider the fact that he's telling me honest, honest goodness, truth, and he's not lying. Think, think about that for a second. All right, then we've got a, a huge problem. We got a bigger problem. I mean, we, we to me that would be a huge problem. I don't know what you think, but um, either way, the guy is either lying or we have a huge problem. Well, both ways, it's both. We have a huge problem, and it, it's a soft coup, or it's a, it's a coup underway right now against Donald Trump. I want to introduce my daughter, Jackie Hagman, with uh, her dog. This is not Lady, the studio dog. This is her younger brother, um, Theo. Yeah, Theo, Theo or Theodore. He is seriously one of the cutest cutest dogs yeah. ever. Hey, Theo. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he is a cute one. Yeah, and, and Lady, of course, she's a, an Australian cattle dog. They're, they're not the same breed, of course. And, uh, uh, Blue Healer, and she's around here somewhere. So, but Jackie dropped in. We're going to talk with her for a little bit, kind of keeping it light this half hour. The reason being, and and Jackie and I were talking about this, you know. Hold on, Jackie. Go ahead, talking the way. Okay, I like there how Lady go. and Theo got a better introduction than I did. And that was she, like, rude to me, right? <laughs> gave them like a whole background about how they yeah. were brother and sister and blah blah blah. Well, they're not really brother and sister, but. Well, this is Jackie, yeah. my sister, his daughter, my daughter, part of the Hagman Report team. And um, how long have you been uh, working with us now, full time? Um, s- since November of last year. So. I would say October. Yeah, November, October, November. Yeah. And, and w- what Jackie's been doing, of course, is just by way of introduction, she's taking care of the, a lot of the administrative work here at the office and at the studios. And I think it's important for, for everyone to see the, the, the crew. And of course we have John Robertson. You saw him last week and Eric, the tech behind the scenes. This is Jackie. And she's really, um, an integral part of the day to day operation. And of course Joe and I. So you've met everyone. But, uh, now I, I gotta tell you this, make an announcement, official announcement now. Uh, I mentioned this before, but just to be clear, Jackie and Eric, the tech are going to be married next month. So, uh, yeah, congratulations. Yeah. That's it's really good. So cool, so, cool beans. So, yeah, it's gonna be really, yeah. <laughs> but 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 you know what? It, the 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 program, uh, the, the the program tonight and the programs have been pretty heavy in terms of the news. The news. I mean, we've got earthquakes all over Mexico City. Yeah, Stan sent me an email last night during the show, <clears throat> which he doesn't normally do, and it had to do with 
with earthquakes. He said there in the last 24 hours there were over uh, 12 5.5 earthquakes, which was really high. And he sent me the screenshot. So this is something he's paying close attention to. I'd check his site, standio.com. He might have some special info up there on right. maybe predictions and what's going on. Well, you know, and, and yeah, and I think everything, again, the news is, is really heavy that we're, we're looking at a lot of, really a lot of uh, destruction, devastation, the hurricanes, the floods, the earthquakes. And I kid, I was joking with Stan, fire and brimstone next, uh, is going to be next and, Maybe that's not a joke, um, but uh, look at Puerto Rico, completely devastated by the by the hurricane. And so I, I, you know, I think if anyone, and and this speaking from my heart, I think if anyone doesn't really take take notice of the times in which we live, man, um, you know, you're gonna have a problem. So to lighten things up a little bit, Jackie, administrative assistant for the Hagman Report, uh, and of course Theo. Um, Coming on board just to talk, just to chat with us for a little bit, and uh, what you want to chat about? Well, you know, I was going to ask you. First of all, uh, social networking. We have uh, help me out with this, and she's the one I call or I go to for. How, how do I, you know, how do I do? How do I do the Twitter thing? Mm-hmm. You know, so you should see it every day. Go ahead. She asked me go at ahead. least one question. Is like, how do I? <coughs> Tag. He doesn't even know the word tag, so he's like, "How do I talk to this person? And how do I, how do I send a message to this person? Will this person see?" It? And it's just like a constant, like, "I'm gonna do Twitter 101 with you guys pretty soon, and show well, you the ropes." Yeah, and I'm trying to up, update my own personal Facebook account, and I'm having trouble there because I'm not sure if I even know my password anymore. But uh, I guess I do. It's okay. You want L F? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, but but no, you know. So Jackie, uh, as in the, you're considered millennial, um, and, I, and I'm also, a millennial technically. Technically, yeah, yeah. but you're on the. Uh uh-uh. uh Eighty two, I think, right? Is the. And you yeah. were born in what? Eighty three. Yeah. So so, so you're, you're technically I'm a millennial. I'm at the very beginning of what the. I think it's right in between Generation X and the Millennials. Right. Because I had you when I was 12, so that makes me 40 or 30. <laughs> no, you were pretty young. I don't consider you a Millennial. I don't consider anybody born before 1985 a Millennial. Well, then you're not a Millennial. Yeah. No, before 85. Before 85. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. So, so <laughs> you know, uh, and, and again, keeping this light, uh, what do you see? I mean, you see the day-to-day. I'll tell you what. Give people an insight into the day-to-day operations, but be careful when you do that. Um, how do you like here? Work? Yeah. Day-to-day operations here? Yeah. How do you like, how do you like working working here for the Hagman Report? I, I wanna, I, I've never really asked you how you liked it. I just assumed you liked it. So. Well, I like it because this every is day is bring-your-dog-to-work day. That's true. We, we are a dog-friendly office. That's right. That's yeah. it. That's the only reason. That's the only reason why I'm here. That's the only reason why. <laughs> um, you've met a lot of our listeners, right? I've or, met a lot of them. I should say. Yeah, I, was in, I was in Dallas last year for the Dallas conference, but other than that, I have not met anybody. I've talked to people, okay. but I've never like met anybody. I think we've got the, the greatest listeners and viewers in, in the entire country. I really do. We're very fortunate to have everyone. 
Um, no. Do, do we? Do we just? Mostly, uh, yeah. Do we? Uh, just to be just a, uh, our mail. I, I read the mail. I read the mail. Yes. Tell people I read the mail. Oops. Another pen. <laughs> Go find your. Here. Oh, Go find buddy. your friend. <laughs> but uh, yes, yes, the mail is a big um, component here at work. It is. We do get a lot of mail. Yes. And, and you know, check we, it every day. We read it and we. Um, we can't respond to it all Obviously. because there's it's pretty voluminous. However, we do read it and we do take to heart that what people say, such as you know, "Hey, Doug, stop your stuttering and shut up and act like a talk show host." But uh, no, but yeah, uh, as far as the social media uh, between Facebook and Twitter, uh, Hagman Report on Twitter and Facebook, I believe that's as a Hagman Report on Facebook or Hagman and Hagman. It's Hagman Report. Hagman Report. And, uh, you know, you can, um, send Jackie a message. Uh, there's a lot of things that we, at least that I, areas I slack off and, and when it comes to social media, I have not, uh, every time I post an article to the website, it will post automatically to Hagman Report Twitter, and it will also post to Hagman Report on Facebook. But besides that, I don't, um, I don't, interact on on facebook or twitter really i just take up too much camera space the way i should and um i gotta get into that more but um you can follow me at joe hagman on twitter you're at what dad hagman pi yeah hagman pi and then we have hagman reports so hagman john, PI, joe hagman you're at john robertson r-o-b-e-r-r-s-o-n and then tech, we, eric. tech eric as well and do you have a twitter jackie I do, Real but tech it's private. Sorry. Sorry. Private? Yeah. I don't think you're allowed to do that if you work here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, um... If you try really hard, you can find it. Any, uh... Any, Jackie, any thoughts about current events? Any thoughts that's been yeah, on Yeah, I think everybody's... Mind? Never mind. <laughs> she, wow. It's funny, before the show, uh, John and I were, were sitting down here and we're discussing, you know, what what topics we could have Jackie get into... And we asked her to come in here, and, and we said, Jackie, you know, what are we going to talk about tonight? She said, I don't know. One thing I do know, though, is I don't want to talk about anything serious. <laughs> and we started true. throwing topics out there like the, uh, should we talk about the $20 trillion debt? You know, the uh, Afghan, U.S.-Afghan Middle East policy. And she wasn't too thrilled about that. So we're going to have to find some topics that she really likes to talk about to come on here and, and get into. Cause. Well, you, you know, the, the the real, the main, the primary purpose, and, and I have to apologize to Jackie because it's kind of spur of the moment. The primary purpose is really to bring her out here and to just just uh, introduce her. Hey, anyone can get insanity in my ear. <laughs> so a little behind the scenes. Um, no. There's a song. Uh, Eric, what's the name of the song? It's Bermuda, Bahama. Oh, my gosh. Come on, pretty. Great, now we're going to be uh, copyrighted. Kokomo. Kokomo. Okay, so... My dad hates this song, and you, every you, now and then you, you Eric will. Over the, over, I mean, only I could hear that, right? Eric will play it in our earpieces, and, and as he was talking, uh, the the music, that song came on and was playing in the earpiece, so that's pretty funny. We have a lot of little things we laugh at around here, and that's one of the uh, you know nice things, especially about working with families, that uh, in a regular office you have a bunch of, of people who aren't related to you and from all walks of life. But having the the family dynamic in here definitely makes things so much more laid back most of the time. 
depending on on a few people most and, of the time depending on a few people but no it's a, it's a you know people what? always talk about how you know the father son dynamic of the radio show but if you look behind the scenes we not only have the father and son dynamic we really have the whole family dynamic and that makes things uh, a lot more fun and a lot more easy sometimes and sometimes it makes it a little bit harder um because stuff comes into the office that you know shouldn't sometimes and that's probably mostly my fault but uh all probably. in all you know you can't complain it's a it's a great thing and it's a, a blessing that we get to work with our family so most would of the you, time stop the hammering who's hammering <laughs> No, it, it, again, to lighten the mood up a little bit and to j- just to, just to really kind of um, make the introductions because one thing, and i got to tell you, we were, uh, my wife and I went, had the privilege to attend the True Legends Conference and uh, where was that, Branson? Branson, Missouri. Yeah. And uh, that that was just an amazing, met a lot of, a lot of amazing people. And uh, Oh, there, yeah, there yeah, we go. Yeah, some pictures. There we go. Um, and again, there's some people. Oh, that's so cute! Who have sent pictures that there's they the took with the, you? Yeah, know, so, there's the guy yeah. on the bottom right. <clears throat> the bottom that's right Henry Groover. I like him. He's an 89 year old. Uh, he's not man on fire for he's, Jesus. I think that's what Renee said. It in no, his 80s. He's, he's, he's in his 80s. He's in his. He's 80. Okay, I think. But yeah, um, and the DVD for that conference will be available at some point. So uh, keep your eyes out for that. What would you say? Well worth buying the DVD. Oh yeah, yeah. Doctor Lake was amazing. L.A. Marzilli was amazing. Henry Gruber was totally amazing. Steve, of course, was Steve. You know, I mean, amazing as well. Um, you've got uh, just a number of. I mean, it was just it was just great. Uh, um, Tim Alberino did a great job. But it, it was quite the. It was quite you know in the people there, the the people who attended. And by the way, I want to. I just want to let people know this too. The people who attended the. Uh, I guess I can say this. I'm, I guess I'm allowed to say this. The attendees, the people at the Mansion Theater, the who, the the people who work there, you know, for whatever they do, they had commented to uh, to Steve. You know, he said uh, one person, the head of the departments, came up to him and said, "You know, this is the first Christian group we've ever had that have. You've been everyone was so nice and so respectful to our help." And to the people who work here, and we didn't have any problems whatsoever. And uh, uh, you know, most well, I'll just leave it at that. It's, so they really got the the people who attended really were were well liked by the Branson brass mentioned brass. So that's pretty good. And and I met quite a few people myself personally that I just I just love, but. Um, but but uh, again, Jackie Hagman. In case you're just joining us, she's sitting in with us with Theo, the dog, the uh, with Theo, her dog, I should say. He's getting a little restless. Yes, he is. But uh, well, Jackie, yeah. and, and you know, this time goes kind of quickly, so we we should just t- turn you loose on any kind of topic or any topic you, you might want to you want to mention mean, or what's on your mind. If there's anything specific you'd like to like to you know mention. Um. No. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. I mean, Thanks. no. I mean, whatever. Whatever you guys. I mean, do you have any questions for me? Well, we got a lot of questions for you. But are you excited we... about the wedding? I mean, like news related, <laughs> not. 
meme-related. Well, well, you know, okay, this is one thing I did want to ask you, and, and this is a very serious question. You look, you see what comes through our desks, John's, Joe's, mine, uh, Eric's, and even your mom's, because she works in, in the office. Uh, the headlines are heavy, the, the information is pretty dire, and, and here you are a month from now going to get married. Are you concerned about the future of our country? I mean, do you, do you see what's happening? How do you how do you personally feel about what's taking okay. place in our country? Okay, here's a question. A kind of like, oh, so you're going to ask me a question in response to my question? Yeah, too. because it kind of is in relation to what you asked me, but not really. As in, like the future of our country or the future of the world? Well, both. Both. Yeah. Okay. Natural disaster future or like political future? Well, you know, you asked me the other day. Maybe was it yesterday or? or Tuesday, he said, aren't you concerned at the amount yes. of natural disasters we're seeing? Am I the only one that's concerned? No, you're not. No. Because I feel like this is the end of the world. Well, you know, uh, I did some research and as far as... I don't mean end of the world literally for everyone who's Right, end of the age. Yeah. Right, the changing of the world. I did some research on the hurricanes, most deadliest hurricanes in U.S. history, <clears throat> and the history of Category 3, 4, and 5 uh, hurricanes making landfall in the U.S., and I found several years. Um, interestingly enough, they were kind of back-to-back, like 2004, 2005, uh, 1932, and 33. Um, How far and the, back did they go, to those records? Like to the 16, well, I mean, they go back pretty far okay. to the 1600s. In, <clears throat> I believe it was eight, 1780 or 1870, there was a hurricane that killed over 27,000 people. In the um, different islands and, and on the in the U.S., uh, there was a hurricane in 1928 in Florida, the the uh, where that lake is, Lake Okeechobee in Florida, Okeechobee, or, Okeechobee. Or, 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 that no, uh, that's not it. The, I, the I, waters I rose and it killed you know just know. 1,800 uh, poor people in that area of Florida. What'd you say? Um, I said Kokomo. I'm sorry. So Jackie, you're concerned. Are you concerned that the all these different uh, from the Eclipse, because after the eclipse happened on August 21st, we had uh, a series of hurricanes, which were in hurricane season, but we also had a number of earthquakes, and we have these tremendous wildfires out west. Yeah. Are you concerned that all these things are pointing to um, signs that things are, are going to get worse in the near future? Well, I don't think that any of it is just coincidence. I feel like there's too much going on for it to just be, like, brushed off. I feel like it's either biblical or Mother Nature just is not happy and climate change. No, no. When you say climate change, and I, I no, believe, ask her. She, yeah, she yeah. knows what she's talking okay. about. Climate change. Yeah. So are are you saying that it's because of uh, our carbon footprints, man's carbon footprints, that? Uh, we're seeing these. Am these I gonna? Pages. Am I gonna get like reamed out for this? No, tell you, by your tell listeners. Us, tell us your views. Oh, oh probably. But oh, yeah, probably. Look, look, I get reamed out by our listeners or some of them just for showing up. So yeah. I mean, I believe in global warming. I do. Well, okay, man-made climate change versus there you go. A you natural warming. Because well, the way, reason I ask that is Stan talks about how the sun has been uh, changing, and it's not only making uh, parts of the Earth warmer; it's making other planets in the solar system. Uh, and is there evidence the of that? same warming trend. According to Stan, yes. Yes, yes. Um, then you have the man-made yes. global warming arguments. Um, 
that then you look at history during, you know, when the dinosaurs were here, we had much more carbon, much higher temperatures. Even in the Middle uh, Ages, in the 15 to 1700s, historically it was a much warmer time period than we're even in now. And we've had several ice ages at the same time, too. So the Earth obviously goes through cycles. The argument is, you know, are we seeing changes in, uh, you know, in the sun, in our uh, jet stream, in our atmosphere, in our weather? And is that due to man-made climate change or is that due to, uh, you know, something that's out of the control of, of man? And I would argue that it's not man-made. Man might add to it, and I'm sure, you know, spraying all the aluminum particles in the air and whatnot doesn't help, but... Well, if there is physical proof and there's evidence that there is there is climate change on other planets, then how can it be man-made well, or like right, man, right. man-changed? Or right, and whatever. then you have the statistics yeah, that the, the Arctic Arctic ice in the last uh, three years has grown by forty percent, while it has melted some in Antarctica. Um, so there's a lot okay. to consider. We'll have to sit. But down I'm not Jackie. saying that like. That like we shouldn't recycle and no, stuff oh, like no, that. No, 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 no. I think we we need to be, be good responsible stewards. But we shouldn't have to pay carbon and, taxes. Right. And and, and, and to be fair, look, we kind of ambushed Jackie working in the office. You know, so, but to be fair, and and folks, can you give them a shot? Because I know we're gonna. Are we we got a minute left before the break. I'm I'm I can't see that. Beauty and the Beast, right there. I'm the beauty. Beast. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. And, and would you, would you come back on to discuss the various issues that that uh, concern you? Uh, I mean, yeah, but I, okay. I'm not. I don't claim to like obviously know everything. I'm not Standale. You're no, not Standale. Neither. Let me tell you something. No one. I don't think this. Eric would marry you if you were a Standale. <laughs> I would hope not. He might. <laughs> But I mean, no. I I will talk about anything that I am knowledgeable about. Folks, wanted to introduce my daughter again, just to, to the show, to you, to let you know that this this is the Hagman Report, really. And um, thank you for all you do for us. And, and Jackie, I just want to say thank you for all you do for this business, for our company, for the listeners, and for the the program itself. And I love you, and I'm proud of you. Day nada. All right. Coach Dave Davemeyer on the other side. We'll be right back after this short, after these short messages. Don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. 
T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of End Times Fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Ladies and gentlemen, to this Thursday edition of the Hagman Report, September 21st, 2017. We're going to be joined by Coach Dave uh, in just a few moments. But real quick notes here, some pieces of news that are very interesting. The Hurricane Maria's devastation on Puerto Rico is pretty significant, at least when it pertains to the power grid, as they are said to go without power for anywhere from four to six months in some areas. Yeah, you saw that. And, and you know, one thing that struck me, Joe, just, and I didn't, I, I, I've not talked about the hurricanes at all in my morning show. And I don't know, but you, I think you have, right? Oh, yeah, we've, okay. we've covered it today, especially from the angle of preparing and the need to prepare, uh, especially when you look at places like Puerto Rico, 3.5 million American citizens live there and no power for weeks, well, months. Well, see, what bothers me, and President Trump said this, their infrastructure, their power grid was bad to begin with. Even the president of Puerto Rico or the mayor, governor, whatever of Puerto governor. Rico said yeah. that there, it was very, a very weak system that was never used properly. N- never maintained or, uh, right. yeah, never kept up, uh, or, and that's what happens. And I, I think 
if for no other reason, President Donald Trump, and I know some people just don't like him, and some people, you know, to me, he could he be the guy to to really implement the changes and upgrades in our infrastructure as a businessman, and and he knows how bad it is. He's talked about it, and that's part of the platform he ran ran on. So, and on which he ran. We have Coach Dave from CoachDaveLive.com who is joining us, and he has himself been at guy. the center of helping in the hurricane relief from Hurricane Harvey. Uh, and I'm not sure if he's been doing anything with Irma. Harvey is a handful in itself. We read that article from the Washington Times earlier this week that Christians have done more than the organization of FEMA under Homeland Security. And, you know, that's a huge uh, victory for Christians, and it just shows... The loving and kind nature of Christians, even though in the media and Hollywood they are, we are demonized beyond belief. They go out of their way to put Christians down. But, um, you know, the actions speak louder than their words. And coach, uh, just want to thank you for all that you've done. Amen to that. And dealing with the, uh, helping people who are suffering, uh, still trying to recover from the hurricanes. Hey, just doing my job, job, Doug and Joe. Hey, hang on a second. Stop that hammering over there. We got to quit hammering over there. <laughs> That's awesome, Coach. Unbelievable, huh, guys? We're down here in Rockport, uh, Texas, live. I got you on my cell phone here. And uh, Doug and Joe, I just want to say, first of all, uh, God bless you guys, and God bless all the all the viewers of Hagman Report. The money that has come in to pass the Salt Ministries to take care of the needs down here, Joe, Doug has just been overwhelming. When I started this thing about a month ago when it hit, we, we looked out in the distance a little bit and said, you know, chance for to make the church great again, right? Donald Trump wants to make America great again. I think the only way we make America great again is we make the church great again. So we began making plans right there, and I got our guys on the phone and said, hey, I think I can raise $20,000. We can get $20,000. We can do some some damage. We can really help out down there. Well. We crossed over the hundred grand mark, Doug. I don't even know where we are right now, to be honest with you. So we got a crew down here today in Rockport. Rockport is pretty much the eye of the storm. Actually, I'm lying to you. We are in Corpus Christi, the body of Christ. My buddy Chad laughs and says, "Well, no wonder Corpus Christi didn't get hit. It's it's the body of Christ." (laughs) That's right. uh, Corpus Christi is about 30 miles from Rockport, which is where we're going to head tomorrow. We were we were at Rockport two weeks ago, Doug, Joe, and I was down here and. We saw the devastation. Uh, Rock, Rockport's a uh, it's a Gulf uh, Coast city. It's right on the water. Right. And it's beautiful, but when you get back off the water about two blocks, man, you just run into house trailers and low-income people, and it got blown away, man. It's, it, was, it was really, really devastating. So what we, you know, there was always this initial surge at the beginning that everybody wants to, uh, you know, they want to go down and help. But we're about a month out now, Doug, and, you know, the needs are probably greater now than they've ever been. So we've been planning for this moment to get down, and we're going to have about 30 or 40 of us on the ground here in Rockport tomorrow. We're going to have about 10 or 15 up in Beaumont, and then we got another group that's going to be ministering out of uh, uh, just north of uh, Houston a little bit. So we got three crews on the ground, and our, our goal is to, to partner with churches, with Christians in particular. We think it's important not just to give the – uh, the bread, but give the bread of life. So I can—I don't know if you can see over my shoulder here. I, I, you know, if I could figure out how to work my phone, I'd flip this thing around. <laughs> Are you barbecuing? Yeah. Well, here, this is. Let me see if I. Hey guys, don't laugh. I put my glasses on here a second. This is Coach Dave, and I'm live, right? So let, let me let me flip this thing around. First of all, there's my girlfriend, my wife. She wouldn't get on camera, but there I got her. Get your head up. There. <laughs> how would a guy like me get a hold of something like that, Doug? Can you explain that to me? Hi, Dad. Hi, Dad. 
<laughs> Love you too. So here's what you guys are on. great. Here's what I'm going to let you talk to a little bit of these guys, Doug and Joe, because I just want you to understand that this is more than just Coach Dave. So what we have right back here is a big cooker, Rich from uh, Granite City, Illinois. Hey, somebody come over and lift this thing up here, Sarge. Can somebody lift this thing up so we can look in there? This isn't just show up and cook them hamburgers and hot dogs and everything. Big Rich over is going to lift this thing up and. Look, look at what we got. Oh, my. Here. Coach. We got to that thing, smoke that thing real good, and then we'll, we're going to turn out on the streets in Rockport tomorrow, and we're going to, we're going to feed the guys. So, oh, uh, God this, bless this, you. We're all volunteers. All of us are volunteers. Rich has come all the way from Granite City. It's about, about a 20 minute drive. Ray's come from Tennessee. Gary's come from Ohio. Marty's come. She's close, but she's come just a couple hours. Jim over here is from Ohio. That was a 20 some hour drive. This dude here, Sarge, is from Maine, if you can believe that. So, uh, and, and Mrs. Right. Coach there, you gotta love her. Mrs. Coach keeping things together. I'm gonna go, let, I'm gonna let everybody see how pretty she is. Mrs. Coach, they said that you're, you're keeping things together. Go and I'm say trying. something. I'm trying. I'm keeping these men in line, telling them. What a, what a lovely, what a lovely lady. Thanks to the boss, but we all know better than that, don't we? <laughs> Coach, I want to ask you this. Um, yeah. since Hurricane Harvey, uh, hit, Texas. Then we had Irma right after that. A lot of the news coverage uh, stopped covering what was going on in, in Texas, specifically in Houston, and just started covering the Irma destruction. How bad yeah. is it still in Houston? I mean, uh, is there still water around? Is there? Uh, I mean, what's going on there? We knew it was going to be like this, Joe, because we, you know, we we're the McDonald's generation. We think you fly in and you deliver a hamburger, and then everybody everything gets back to normal. And one of the greatest deceptions of all is FEMA. Uh, we run into a lot of guys down at Rockport. They say, well, FEMA will be here on Tuesday. And we've been through this before. We just kind of scratch our head. We don't really know what to tell them because FEMA doesn't really offer them at all. Red Cross, uh, Red Cross is just a government agency. They may be down here now, but they weren't down here before. They're all up around Houston. And, Coach, Red what? Cross real quick, because um, this is really important. <clears throat> There's been a lot of stories showcasing not only Red Cross um you know, not helping from city council members in Houston and other areas saying how they, they haven't seen any money or help assistance from Red Cross. But there was a few videos that showed Red Cross picking up donations from churches of uh, food and dumping them in the garbage. And uh, a few people that were watching them went and regathered all, I mean, we're talking thousands of pounds of food that were was dumped in one specific instance I'm aware of. And there are many people talking about how, you know, the, the Red Cross, as it's set up, doesn't have to, when it takes in the money, it only has to pay a certain percentage of that money back out. And when you have members of the local governments in Texas saying that, you know, the Red Cross is basically nowhere to be found, it boggles the mind when you see that they've collected hundreds of millions of dollars for these recovery efforts. Well, you know, uh, Joe, I don't really cast, want to cast dispersions at anybody because, uh, you know, here's the truth of it, brother. We've been on a, every major disaster that's hit, we've, we've gone to ever since Katrina, which was 12 years ago. And I know this, that uh, Red Cross is there, buddy, but uh, uh, Red Cross is not what it once was. Can I, let's, let's just leave it that way. And that's why we saw the importance of what we do, Christian to Christian. Uh, we come down here, we partner with churches. We, none of these guys here take a salary. We don't. We pay. We pay some gas expenses. We pay some food for them. But these guys cut travel down here of their own uh, their own volition, and then we go into houses and we not only uh, tear out drywall and cut up trees, but we we feed them every night. We're going to feed. We we think we're going to feed maybe 
maybe 3,000 meals this weekend. That's what our goal is, to serve 3,000 meals. And then we've got a bunch of Bibles, a bunch of Spanish Bibles, because there's a lot of, a lot of Hispanics down here in this area. So we, uh, like I try to tell everybody, uh, Ron Emanuel, Emanuel said, uh, never let a crisis go to waste. And I think that's a lesson that we in the church could learn. That let's don't let a crisis go to waste. This is a chance to make the church look good again and get out and deliver the truth of the gospel, the living bread, the bread of life. And that's why we're so honored that uh, that you guys have uh, gotten behind us and given us this time because I'm telling you, the money that's come in from the Hagman people just well, been... Well, let's, let's not stop there. Coach, tell everyone how everyone can best help you because folks by the way coach dave dobmeyer is the is the coach for the relief efforts in my view he's doing more for the relief efforts than fema red cross any other any other agency combined and he's on the ground you could see him right there you could see the people you could see what he's doing that's where any donations go there's no lamborghinis there's no private jets there's no cushy hotel rooms five-star hotel rooms there's no room service that's coach Dave. so coach I, I'm sorry, but I just, I, you know, look, I believe in your efforts. We we believe in your efforts. We're 100% behind you. How can our listeners and viewers help you the best? Well, thanks, Doug. But I would be remiss if I didn't if I didn't take a minute and brag about about our team. And I want to talk to some of these guys. I want to especially want to mention Dale Socia, Pastor Dale Socia from New Orleans. Dale has at least twice a week, Doug, since this thing broke, dri- driven uh, five and a half hours one way down to the Beaumont, Texas area to get down there and continually supply the people with with food and cleaning products and, and diapers. He's, Dale has done that twice a week. Now that's five and a half hours down, five and a half hours back, brother. And so we are, we are, we're networked with Ray Ganover. We're networked with a lot of people down here that we are trying to funnel money to so that they can, in fact, meet the needs of the boots on the ground. If people will feel like they want to support us, just go to coachdavelive.com, coachdavelive.com, and they can donate right there online. And, uh, Doug, I don't want to talk too much about. It. I want you to. I want you to hear from some of these guys. Is it okay? Is it okay if I do that? Oh yeah, like, yeah. Okay, let, I'm going to come over. I told Big Rich is going to put his hat on. So I'm going to steal Gary's oh. hat and put it on Big Rich. Because, sorry, Rich is Big Rich. I don't want to get grease. Big Big Rich has come all the way from Granite Granite City, Illinois. Rich, tell them all you loaded up here. What's your intention? Hey, hey guys. Um, hey, really. You know they put the call out. Uh, Salt and Light Brigade. We loaded up. We we brought about. We went and got about 1,400 pounds of. Uh, pork butt with the donations from people around the country uh my buddy and i jim we loaded it up and we drove man 20 hours I long guess way was, buddy something and we've been smoking pork butt for two days and we got two or three days left and then i think some of us are going to houston area as well but it's a lot of work but it's well worth it and uh we're here to we're here to uh Bless our Lord and those that are in need. I mean, Amen, brother. It's an opportunity to make the church great again, isn't it, Big Rich? Amen. Rich is not being honest, man. He's done yeoman's work. I don't know if you guys can see this whole truck's full. Of, you know, he's got all kinds of wow. stuff on there. And so we, again, we put the money in the people who, in the hands of the people who need it, uh, rather than funneling it through uh, through the Red Cross. I want to come over here real quick. Here's 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 Jim Kraft. Jim's drove all the way from Ohio, which is twenty some hours. Tell me what you brought with you, Jim, when you came. Uh, let's see, brought a little uh, box trailer full of uh, commodities, uh, toiletries and diapers, toothpaste, bleach, those kind of items. Brought uh, chainsaws and tools to clean up uh, around people's houses where they've been, uh, had all their trees uprooted. And Also, we brought Bibles. We got boxes, cases of Bibles we're going to hand out. And uh, anyway, uh, Matthew chapter 25 
if you've done it under the least of these, my brother, and you've done it under me. So, you know, it's hard hard to stay home. You know, if you if you can come, it's hard to stay home. Hey, listen, let me jump in there, Jim. You know, when the spirit hits me, I say this. Listen, I'm sick and tired of everybody taking taking uh, mission trips to Guatemala and to Haiti. We need help right here in Rockport. We need help in Beaumont, Texas. That hurricane came through here a month ago, and the after effects are still here. And, Doug, let me say this even more importantly, folks. Understand this. What you're seeing on the outside, all these houses blowing up, all those homes, it's really nothing compared to the hurricane that's going in, going on inside the lives of most people. And we have an opportunity down here right now. They lost all their stuff. But what's going on inside their heart? They've never been more open to the gospel than what they are right now. So I'm putting the call out right now. You guys, you go, you go to church, you got a men's group, come on down. We'll find you a place to stay. We'll take care of you. Come out and bring a chainsaw, bring a hammer. Come and rip out some drywall. Come down and cook some burgers. Give some hope to people. We've raised a lot of money that we can take care of. And when you're down here, we're putting money in the hands of pastors and in churches. We're taking it from the Christians. We're putting it in the bank account. We're coming down. We're writing checks. But we need boots on the ground. We're going to Haiti. We're going to Haiti. We're going to Guatemala. We need you right here in Rockport. Here's Kevin Bushy, the Sarge. Kevin's all the way from Maine. Sarge kind of heads up this whole thing. Of course, he does logistics. So just tell him what all's going on here, Kevin. Well, uh, as you can imagine, trying to get 40 or 50 people down at one site, trying to figure out where to sleep everybody, and actually we're operating two sites this weekend uh, right here in the Rockport area and plus up in the uh, Beaumont Port Arthur area. So Yeoman's work to try to make sure we have a place for people to sleep, got food to feed them so that they don't go hungry, and then give them work assignments and make sure that if they don't bring a sleeping bag or an air mattress or whatever they forget, that uh, we can take care of them while they're boots on the ground and uh, we can use more of you. And we know that we're going to be transitioning at some point in a couple of weeks out of food and probably doing more in the construction debris removal kind of work because that's going to be a long time work uh, for this area down here. So One of the things we're trying to, sorry, Sarge, you know how I move on, man, because I know we're up against the clock here. Sarge did a great job. Here's what here's what my goal is, folks. We're trying to send $10,000 a week down there. Now, that may not that may sound like a lot of money, but that ain't nothing. And we know that if we send $10,000 a week down here over the next 10 weeks that we can that we can make a difference in the lives of people in here. We can at least give them hope when they go to getting drywall and all that kind of stuff. And we're going to, again, put it in the hands of people down on the his, on the ground that can hand it properly. Here's Chad Estes. Chad heads up our, our, our Texas Salt Light Brigade. Chad, come on, tell them what you've been doing down here on the ground. Well, we've been uh, doing uh, the boots on the ground, coordinating with uh, multiple churches uh, and, and then local people who have the feel for the, uh, the, the seriousness of the, the problems that are going on. Uh, so uh, finally, what, what we want to do, there's a lot of resources being pushed around all over the state and in Florida as well. So we want to make sure that what our resources are going to places that really, really need it. And the you gospel know? goes with it. Amen. Because, see, the Red Cross really isn't a Red Cross. It's a Red Plus. The only Red Cross is this one we got on right there here. There you go, brother. Okay. They're the Red Pro- Red Plus. Did you hear that, Doug? And I love it. Red. They're the Red Plus. Oh, man. You're absolutely right. We're handing out a lot of Bibles, and we're making the, making the church look good again. Here's Gary. Gary's come. Gary, this moment of fame. Gary's come all the way from Ohio to be part of it. Hey, Joe and Jug and every everybody out there, I uh, just want to say hi. And uh, I'll tell you what, this is a new experience for me. I've sat in a church for decades and a uh, bunch of different churches, but never was there an opportunity to do what I'm doing here and uh, just to help out. So I, I joined up with... Uh, Coach Dave and, and the Salt and Light Brigade, 
and started getting active and got out of the church and I'm doing some, some, some work and this, this is going to be brand new for me. I'm going to see some destruction of, uh, of the likes I've never witnessed personally before and uh, hopefully just uh, help, help some people. Help them feel better. Help them in any way we can. Boots on the ground, baby. Boots on the ground. We're Coach Dave, and we're live here. This is Ray. Ray's come all the way from where, Ray? Uh, Tennessee. Yes, sir. And, Doug, you're the reason I'm here. I want to let you know how much influence you have. I saw you in Branson, and you saw the admiration that was poured out. Yes, sir. And you're the one that got me in touch with Dave Coach. Coach Dave, I keep putting that backwards. But... The work that he's doing out here, and I encourage anybody to come on out and join us. You'll never be the same. We're, we're getting the word of God out in the streets, and we're feeding people spiritually and physically. And Boots on the ground, going. baby. Boots on the ground. I don't know what time it is. I got to come over. Marty. Coach, we have a few minutes. Listen, there's Marty. She's she's a, she's a Texan. Or she's just up Marty the road. Real Texas. Love you, Doug. She, she's been Don, helping also. Eric. So we're gonna have about thirty some people that are gonna be here. Hey, Doug, let me say this real quick. What? Somebody, what time is it, Gary? What time it's seven forty-eight, Coach. Oh, we I have got a few, few minutes. minutes. Down here a minute. Hey, folks, listen to me out there. Folks, hear me. I was at uh, I was at here the Watchman. I'm sorry, not here the Watchman. I was at uh, Gen Six Conference in Branson, Missouri. I'm going to tell you this: True Legends Conference. Listen, you better hear me. If we lose Doug and Joe Hagman, everybody in that building, when they said, "Where did you guys hear about this conference?" Everybody's hand when they said Hagman and Hagman, everybody's hand went up. And I want you to know, Doug will never say this, and Joe will never say this. They are under attack like you can't even imagine. And they're under attack financially. And, folks, it's time for you to get off of spiritual welfare. You, do you hear what I'm saying to you? Get off of spiritual welfare and invest a little bit. Can you imagine the money that Doug and Joe would have if everybody listening to this show would go online and just add 20 bucks? Just give 20 bucks? Are you kidding me? Because we're fighting against NBC and uh, ABC and uh, MSNBC and PMS. We're fighting against all of them. And we're fighting with, against a, with, with a group, Doug and Joe Hagman, who are bringing us together. Now, they didn't pay me to do this. Although, hey, Doug, you can send me a little bit if you want to afterwards. They didn't pay me to say this. But I know that I know that I know that the attack is real, folks. The attack is real. And I'm going to tell you, if we lose the Hagman and Hagman report, I don't know how we're all going to be connected. I believe it's that serious. It's that serious, isn't it, Doug? They're after you every day. It is, Coach, but you know what? So what? And i, I got to tell you, um, see, look, we need to help. I, I don't even know what to say. I, I, we, we, we love you, Coach. Give Doug and Joe some money. They're, they're fighting on every front. They're fighting on every front, you know? And sometimes I know how it feels to be out here. But you, I get tired of doing this. Hey, Doug, did you ever get tired of doing this? Come on. That's come right. On. Come yeah. on. My oh, yeah. arm gets because they don't seem to be coming. Well, the reality of it is, Doug and Joe, you guys are the water that keeps the boat afloat. Well, and thank guys, you, Coach. we got to make sure that this boat keeps floating because uh, we've all got a lot invested in this country and the future of this nation. And I don't know where we would be without Hagman and Hagman. Well, you guys hey, Doug, are you guys are really making a difference. Here in the last 15 minutes. You, you got anything you you guys want to say anything at all? I'll give you a few minutes if you want to say something. <laughs> Coach, I got a question for you because I heard a funny story. Uh, John told me when you guys talked uh, a few days ago that you told him a funny story about trying to talk to my oh, dad in no, Branson. Don't bring that up. Oh, my goodness. Oh, don't bring I, that up. I want to hear it. I thought Doug Hagman and I were friends. Every time I tried to get Doug Hagman, 
<laughs> he had about 16 guys, great big black suits all around him. I'm thinking, is this, is this guy in the cabinet? What is going on? And, and so I tried to follow him. Every once in a while, I'd stick my hand through the line. I'd get a knuckle. <laughs> as close as I got to him. And so, Doug, I, I think I'm pretty important that, there wasn't anybody around me except Gary Pearson. He couldn't beat up nobody. So I, you know. Co- Coach, I was being held hostage. It, it, it wasn't what you think. I was being held hostage by those guys. Yeah, I, I do believe that too. That's, it was a great spirit at that place. And you know, you know, Doug, and uh, you just know, brother, that when you go to something like that, you get encouraged because uh, the church is still alive, buddy. It's just not in that. It's just not in that concrete building on the corner. The church is very much alive. I came away greatly encouraged that uh, God is doing something, man. And if you can't sense it, you may not be able to see it, but if you can't sense it, trust me, there's something going on. A buddy of mine once told me, he says, Coach, you know that you've hit the mark when the pigs start squealing. <laughs> but they're squealing, aren't they, buddy? Huh? Very true. That's right. I know that, I know that, uh, I know that we're having an impact, and we we got to keep it up. Now is not the time to rest. Now is the time to double down. Because uh, the opportunity that lies before us right now, whether it be Hurricane Harvey or Hurricane Irma or Herma K, whether it be Mary and Joseph coming after them, whatever it would be, brother, it's, it's just an outward appearance of what's going in in the hearts and the souls of men. And God has called us at this time to earnestly contend for the faith, to go after the hearts and the souls of men. And that's why we're down here in Rockport. Amen. Hey, Doug, I can one more thing. I get over my little wife again. Oh, yes. Want, everybody thinks I'm a big loudmouth. I want them to see that. So how many years? Be 38 this November. Going to be 38. Can wow. you believe Congratulations. it? Congratulations. Hey, you know how I know the Bible's true, Doug? Because the lion is laying down with the lamb, baby. That's <laughs> that. I know it. I'm the lion. She's the lamb. Right there is all you ever need to know that the Bible's true. I'll but tell you, you know, Coach, we are lucky guys, aren't we? We are lucky guys, buddy. Lucky guys. I had a better chance talking to your wife and up there in France than I did you. I should have, I should have cornered her. <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. I, I really, I, I, wow. And before, before I knew it, it was over. So, uh, could, but Doug, uh, if I can make, if I can make a final appeal, we, uh, donations are great. I mean, they are. They're great. And we need more money, but we need boots on the ground. We need, okay. we need men, women. I know there are people listening right now that say, uh, you know, gee, coach, I've never done anything like that. I know. We're, we're staying here. What is this? The Parkway? Is that what it is, Sarge? Parkway. The Parkway Presbyterian Church in Corpus Christi. It's 30 miles from Rockford. They've opened their church up. They have showers and restrooms for us that we can, that we can uh, stay here tonight. We're sleeping on sleeping bags. We're roughing it a bit. But they've opened it up to go, to go serve their neighbors, to serve, share the gospel of Jesus. And, Doug, I just make a appeal out there to, to men and women who are listening right now say, hey, I can't go now, but I can go next weekend, or I can go in two weekends, because we think this is going to be a long-term project. And those Hagman and Hagman folks, they got to quit just sucking off of you, Doug and Joe. It's time for them to get engaged and get in the game. Well, thank you, Coach. And, and just one question from uh, I just saw it flash by here. Anyone that want uh, the, the logistics, if somebody can come down there for a week or two, what do they email you, Coach? Is that yeah. the best way? Yeah, Coach at CoachDaveLive.com, and we'll set them up. And maybe there's only five of them. Maybe there's ten of them from the church. We will set them up, and we'll set them up with, the, with uh, some work that they can do down here, whether they want to, you know, chainsaws, whether they want to pull out drywall, whether they want to cook meals, and just bring hope to people. Coach at CoachDaveLive.com. And all you have to do is get down here, and we'll get you plugged in. Uh, that's what Sarge is. Kevin Bush is doing a great job of running logistics. He's actually a colonel. I call him Sarge because if I call him the colonel, then he would think he's above me, so I just can't let that go. You know, you know how that is. 
<laughs> Coach, thank you so much for for taking the time out, and uh, you know, feel free to send us one of those uh, delicious looking uh, roasted. No, no, pork. no, those go to those. No, people I know, down I know, there, man. I'll tell you. But... Hey, hey, guys, you don't, listen, Doug, Joe, real quickly. You don't understand these people. They they don't they don't have a house to live in. Yeah, exactly. They they're, they're getting they're getting MREs. They're getting dry food. When we set up on the corner and Rich begins to cook those that that pig butt and we send out 3,000, 4,000 meals and give them a Bible and the gospel of Jesus, brother, that's what it's all about. Gives them hope. Gives them hope. Amen, Amen. Coach. And you, you guys are doing such great, marvelous work and, and we're going to support you 100% all of the time. Um, and you're going to be down in that area. You're going to be on the road now for the foreseeable next couple of weeks, right? Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah, but we'll have- I will have somebody down here. I, I probably won't be here next weekend. I'll probably skip a weekend and come back, but we'll have others that will be down there because we're hearing from people all across the country said, hey, I'd like to. Doug, I came all the way from stinking Ohio. I know. Somebody, mm-hmm. somebody from Louisiana, somebody from right next door here, Oklahoma, that can come and help us. Come on, man. Isn't there somebody from Texas? Amen. Coach Amen. Dave, Folks, we're out of time. Trip. CoachDaveLive.com is the website, Pastor Salt Ministries, and uh, a great friend of the show doing God's work down there in Texas in the wake of Hurricane Harvey, helping so much, uh, so many of the victims down there. And, Coach, we love you, and thank you for all the great work you do. Love you guys, too. Thanks a lot, man. God bless you, brother. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. I'm speechless, man. I mean, it's it's amazing what what he's doing. All right. Greenovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. What Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right? You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super G Mag chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about eight ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof, and it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas or fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an MOK. For investors, Timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash... 
Trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com. PreciousTimberProfits.com. Welcome to this edition of the Hagman Report. Doug Hagman, Joe Hagman together. America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. You know, after this is the 21st day of September 2017, I just want to say after after seeing Coach Dave in Texas and seeing the the men down there and Coach Dave's wife down there, I looked at Joe and I said, you know, I mean, I I feel... We're not doing enough. We are not doing enough. And look, he, I don't he know. says that as we work, you know, thirteen hours a day. It doesn't. No, no. Look at look at what they're doing. No, He's sleeping on the floor in the sleeping bag. They're taking food out. They're putting up drywall. They're clearing brush. I just have this this sense about me that man. I'll tell you something. Let's let's all get together. Not just pray for, but help Coach Dave. Uh, I mean, you saw it. You saw it. They're they're in the trenches. They're working. Uh, look, I don't know. I, I don't know how else to ask it. We. That's the real. That's the real church right there. Those are real men, and it's about time we get our asses out of the pews, get our asses off the chairs. And shut our mouths and start getting, you know, getting to work. I mean that. We have with us in uh, this hour IQ Al Rizzuli. Folks, go to HagmanReport.com and, and click on the show write-up for today. And the title, Hurricane Horrors and Jihad, Coach Dave Dobbermeyer and IQ Al Rizzuli. There you can get the links to uh, IQ's site and information. And he's been a guest on the show several times. As um, we talk about everything from ISIS, the Middle East, we're going to get into Afghanistan today, and much, much more. Um, IQ, welcome back to the Hagman Report. Thank you for having me. Well, IQ, you, you are the man. When it comes to all things, all the, the threat of Islam to America, to the West, to all of the world, you are you are the absolute authority, and um, I've had the opportunity to and drop some uh, notes. Hopefully, um, hopefully we can get you a broader audience than even ours. But you, your your information is uh, is second to none, and we really appreciate the risks you take, what you do, and folks, you've got to understand. IQL Rizzoli, you talk about a man under threat. Uh, th- that's IQL Rizzoli, and he's a guy that we we think a lot of. But uh, I didn't mean to take it take it off your plate there, Joe. Uh, Thank you. Thanks for thanks for coming on. And I know, and folks understand this. Mr. Rizzoli, uh is is actually uh, 
coming to us from Western Europe, an undisclosed location, because there are threats on his life. So it's early or late there, depending on your point of view. And it's it's somewhere in the middle of the night. So understand that that uh, you know he's 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 making a sacrifice to to appear on with us, and I want to thank him for that. I want to thank you for everything you do. Thank you very much. By the way, I listened to your talk with Mr. Craig Sawyer about Islamberg and Sheikh Mubarak Ali Gilani. Excellent expose. The FBI and U.S. intelligence services have known of these Muslim military jihadist training grounds for years. Mr. Sawyer mentioned that Americans are being tolerant. I would like to share with you the following most incredibly accurate axiom by Karl Popper regarding what tolerance actually and really means. Unlimited tolerance must lead to the disappearance of tolerance. If we extend unlimited tolerance even to those who are intolerant, if we are not prepared to defend a tolerant society against the onslaught of the intolerant, then the tolerant will be destroyed and tolerance with them. We should therefore claim in the name of tolerance the right not to tolerate the intolerant. Karl Popper. Hence, we must never tolerate the intolerance of Islam and Sharia, nor allow them to soil our soil. My question is, why are American administrations sending their military to fight and die in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria, while the Muslim enemy is already within the USA and nothing is being done about it? Do you have a logical answer, Mr. Hagman? No, not even not even close. And looking at articles, um, you know, from just the the last few days, um, in preparation for you coming on, we have a number of things that we want to get into. But one of the things I was trying to determine, as we see a lot of news, a little news lately, but uh, a lot of battles that are ongoing between a number of countries: uh, Russia fighting ISIS in Syria, the U.S. fighting ISIS in Syria. Oh, but we see there's an article here. Uh, why the U.S. allowed a convoy of ISIS fighters to flee. And we see a lot of uh, issues about the funding where people are raising uh, concerns that uh, even ex-ISIS fighters are saying that the U.S. Um, has been supplying you know, different fractions of, of ISIS, either directly or indirectly, and has been aiding them in some ways. But let's start with ISIS as a whole. Um, as the natural disasters and other, uh, you know, fake Trump scandals are dominating our news cycle, what's been going on with ISIS in Iraq and in Syria? Have they been gaining ground, losing ground? Uh, what's what's the current status? There is no such thing as ISIS as a, a unit uh, like an octopus head. Every single Muslim, and when I speak about Muslim, I mean a believing. Muslim in Sharia. In fact, the word Muslim has only one meaning, that he is or she is submitting to Sharia, because there are no shades in Islam. There is no such thing as an extremist, radical, militant, or moderate Muslim. These adjectives were created only by clueless, stupid people, because nobody ever heard or read about militant, radical, moderate Nazis or communists. But with Islam, everything has been changed. Right. I, That's a great point. Sorry. 
No, I just said that's a really that's a really great point and distinction because you don't hear about you know moderate communists or you know versus radical communists or uh, it broken down that way in any other um, group that that uh, deals in violence that we talk about. Only Islam, and they don't themselves have ever called themselves either moderate or radical or Erdogan, the leader of Turkey two and a half to three years ago and I mentioned this before also on your show he told European Union leaders I'm sick and tired of people talking about militant Muslims, radical Muslims he said to them Islam is Islam and yet our leaders in the West pretend that they know more about Islam than the Imams of Islam or the scholars of Islam or the leaders of Islam Every Muslim anywhere on the face of the earth is part and parcel of ISIS. ISIS is not radical. They call it radical. That's bull, bull crap. It's hogwash. ISIS is the most fundamentalist Muslim entity since the time of Muhammad. Again, I mentioned this before, but I repeat it again. While Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda followed the Quran word by word ISIS follows the Quran with Boko Haram and Al-Shabaab and Hamas and all the other affiliates no matter how many names they go under they follow the Quran letter by letter dot by dot and comma by comma so if they are defeated militarily in Iraq or Syria it is irrelevant they are killing us in Europe. They are killing you in America. They are sending terrorists disguised as immigrants, both in the Europe, Europe and the continent of America. They are doing it. Yet, our leaders, both in Europe and America, even Trump is talking about radical Muslims. I understand, okay, because he's president of the United States of America, he can't say it literally bluntly. But he really should say it bluntly. What are we facing? We are facing an enemy. When the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, they were not depicted in pictures or in film as nice human beings. They were depicted in the most atrocious manner. They did, the same thing happened when they depicted the Nazis. And United States of America, without which World War II would not have been won, in four years, 1941, in fact, for, from 42, because 41 December was the start of the war with the United States of America, between 42 and 45, in three years, defeated Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan. True, they helped with Russia and everybody else, but all the Russians got their armaments from America. England became the carrier of everything conceivable of armaments to invade Europe. So how is it possible that since 2001, 9-11, the United States of America has not been able to defeat any Muslim entity anywhere on the face of the earth? Simple. Your leaders are not willing to identify the enemy. 
and unless and until your, the leaders in Europe and America say Sharia cannot exist anywhere outside the territory of the Muslims you are not going to win the war back to you sir Amen, Amen and Amen and it's you said you, and I hope people really understood and, and really understand what uh, Mr. IQ Al-Razuli just said and takes everyone must take it to heart and you know what IQ I think we have to change the way we speak we cannot use the, the just getting back to what you said earlier it's irresponsible to use the phrase moderate Muslim um I believe. I just to modify it or to hyphenate that is irresponsible and it's misleading and it's intentionally, deliberately misleading. And Dad, what you say is that there's only fundamental Muslims and apostate Muslims. Yeah, and that's right, isn't it? I mean, that's kind of what you said. You're you're either a a fundamentalist or you're either a, a, one that follows the Quran and the uh, teachings of of Muhammad, or you're an apostate. There's no in between. Right, IQ. Absolutely right. Okay, and those who are not following that ideology are what people call moderate Muslims, but really they're apostates, not following their religion, and um, and even among those quote unquote moderate right. Muslims, uh, one of the interesting things that have come out of the European terror attacks is a number of polls were put forth to Muslims, and I think it was. Over 75% of what you call moderate Muslims were polled supported the terror attacks, some of the terror attacks that, or, or support the use of jihad. Well, aren't willing to do it themselves, but are for it. Um, and, you know, basically like cheerleaders cheering it on. So, um, it's very troubling to, to see that. And yet, every time we see an incident, the latest one being in London, uh, the London tube, uh, train attempted bombing, and then you had a few attacks in, in Paris that same day where you had uh, Theresa May attacking Donald Trump because of his assertion that the police knew who the bomber was. And sure enough, he ended up being correct. Not only did the police know who the, the bomber was, but they had him in custody two weeks earlier. Yeah, IQ, why? What's, are the police that infected or affected by political crap? Yes, not the police themselves. Because Theresa May, when she was uh, the Minister of Interior, before she became Prime Minister, she allowed, and by the way, she still allows imams coming from outside United Kingdom to give talks in the United Kingdom about Islam, against Jews, against Christians, and she allows them. You see, it's very important our listeners get the, the message. I don't say anything about Islam that the Muslims themselves do not believe in. Why? Because I can quote and I do quote and I do recite every single time to back up my statements with verses from the Quran. So let me explain to you why this is happening. Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 216 the Quran says Jihad, holy fighting in Allah's cause Qital fi sabilillah is ordained for you Muslims though you dislike it. And it may be that you dislike a thing which is good for you and that you like a thing which is bad for you. Allah knows what you do not know. 
in the hadith which are the traditions of Islam about Muhammad I'm quoting now from different hadith sources Muslim Sahih Muslim hadith 4631 and 4626 by Abu Huraira so our listeners can google everything I'm talking about and prove or disprove what I'm saying I heard Muhammad say, I love that I should be killed in Allah cause jihad. Then I should be brought back to life to be killed again in jihad. In Sahih al-Bukhari 4.50, narrated by Anas bin Malik, the Prophet said, a single endeavor of fighting in Allah's cause, qital fi sabilullah, jihad, is better than the world and whatever is in it. Another source and in the Bukhari 4.73 this time narrated by Abdullah bin Abi Awfa Allah's apostle said no that paradise is under the shades of swords now what I want Americans listening to visualize jihad is like the spear of Islam a spear is made of two components the tip and the shaft the tip or the shaft by themselves are not deadly now but the tip and the shaft together are a deadly weapon the tip of the shaft are the jihadi Muslims Boko Haram, ISIS Al-Qaeda and 10,000 other terrorist organizations around the world but this tip, this jihad this war jihadis cannot possibly exist without the shaft but who is the shaft the stealth jihadis you just said that 70 or 75 percent of Muslim interviewed although they are not killing anybody they support jihad these are what is called in uh, the media fake media moderate Muslims they're not moderate Muslims they are the stealth jihadi Muslims and the stealth jihadi Muslims are the ones who supply the armaments, the intelligence, the finance, and the propaganda for the war jihadis. So please, it is very simple. Islam, the spear of Islam, is a spear. The head, the tip of the weapon is war jihadis. The shaft are the shafti, the stealth jihadis. So if Somebody says, ah, oh, yes, but the war jihadis are a very small number. Yes, they could be 5%, they can be 2%, they can be 10%. It is irrelevant because the remaining 95% or 90% are the ones who support them to kill us kuffar infidels. Again, I must insist that people understand this, no matter how outrageous it may sound. Every single Muslim, by definition, is the enemy of every single human being who is not a Muslim. So we have 20% of humanity which are Muslim, one and a half billion. They are all the mortal and eternal enemies of every single human being who is not a Muslim, comprising Christians, Buddhists, Hindus, Jews, pagans, atheists, and anybody else who's not a Muslim. I hope it will sink in. Back to you, sir. 
Absolutely. It, it sinks in. And we've had a number of guests um, come on to talk about this from a number of different perspectives. From Randall Terry, who has a DVD series titled What Would Muhammad Do?, where he takes all the different teachings and, and from the Quran and the different books, the Hadith, and puts them out there and, and shows uh, exactly what you just laid out, IQ, which is the true intentions of Muslims and the Muslim religion. Um, kind of switching gears here, as we're almost about halfway through the first hour. Well, can, can, can I, can I sure, just jump pop in? in? Because I, I know which you're, you're yep. going to ask here kind of ahead of time. Um, one thing that's not on here. IQ, uh, I was in Missouri earlier this week, and I spoke with a man from England. His name is Victor. And uh, I'm not, uh, I don't want to speak out of school, so I'm not going to give his last name. Um, he likes to travel into Western Europe and Belgium and such. And he looked at me with tears in his eyes, and he said, Europe is lost. Europe is lost. Do you, is that your sentiment as well? I hope not. He is right to have tears in his eyes. By the way, you should have tears in your eyes in America. Because you are following the same steps. You are in denial. Not you personally. I'm talking about the majority of Americans who are listening to the fake news media and not trusting Trump. The biggest mistake of your life is not trusting Trump. No matter how much you think Trump uh, according to the media is such an imbecile he is not he is one of the most the cleverest person at the moment in the United States of America he is playing this media like a harp and they are falling for it but you should not fall for it every time he says that illegal immigrants should be controlled Ill, should be vetted or new immigrants should be vetted they say about him that he is bigoted, he is racist, he is not a racist, he is not bigoted. And I said it once before. Every human being on the planet who got a home has got a gate, they've got a door. Why do you have windows, gates and doors? For one simple reason. You don't want somebody who is not invited legally by you to come in. Why is it so difficult to understand this? It's so, di- I mean, it's so simple. You have a country you have a border and you have people coming to you without you knowing who they are what they are and what they're carrying and what they're thinking about you and you allow them now I don't blame your leaders I blame you the American public I'll tell you why against all odds enough of you had the brain to go and vote and vote for Trump which means every single American has the right, not only the right, has, has the duty to vote when and if a judge allows illegal immigrants to come in or a judge which allows Sharia to take root. You have the vote to remove them out of office literally instantly. But you've got to do it. You don't sit on your backside. A few seconds ago, Mr. Hagman was saying, don't sit on your backside. Watching television. You must defend the future of your children and your grandchildren. And the only way to do it is to be active. Donald Trump 
was elected by we the people or enough of them to elect him. He cannot win against the odds countering him now today. He has the media 24 hours a day, 7 days a week against him. He has the Democratic Party and their brown shirt affiliates, Antifa, Black Lives Matter and all the others against him. He has also people stabbing him in the back from the so-called conservatives. But you elected him, not the other people. He needs your help. How do you help? Twitter, email, and cut off all relationship with all the news media. You don't need to listen and watch CNN. Switch it off. MSNBC, switch it off. Don't buy the New York Times, the Washington Post, or whatever of those new, fake news media. And I said it before. Within three months, they will fall. Why would they fall? No advertising. Without advertising, they're gone. What do the news media do? They indoctrinate you 24 hours a day. They tell you how to think and what to think according to their own perception, not yours, theirs. Why do I do what I'm doing? I don't make money out of it. I've never made a, a pence, a dime out of it. In fact, I have to pay agencies a lot of dollars so I have an interview with one of the tele uh, radio stations in the United States of America. Am I stupid? Why would I do that? You care. And, and that's the, and, and, and IQ, I just want to weigh in here because people don't understand the sacrifices that you make put your life on the line. And that's right. And, and I never, you know, color me ignorant. I did not know that, um, you and other people like, like yourself actually pay people to get you on different shows. I, I never knew that before. Of course, I was never in this business before, but it's an amazing thing to, to watch, to watch you make the sacrifices that you make, put you and, and your loved ones in harm's way to say what you say. And, uh, because you love the American people, you love the, the way of life, the, you know, and, and you can see the problem and, and you're the, you're the beacon, um, the warning beacon for all of us. And I, I, you know, I thank you so much for what you do. Um, and I don't, I don't mean to sound, you know, like this is just a bunch of flattery. It's reality. And it's, it's reality when you don't know. You walk out to the store, you don't know, um, hey, he's, he's taking his life in his hands by talking like this. IQ, we're up against the network break for three minutes. I want to thank you again. Our, our guest is IQ El Razuli, his website. You can visit his website, IQ hyphen El Razuli, um, IQ, L-Razuli.com. I'm sorry about that. That's, uh, or I'm sorry. L-Razuli. Thank you. I, I'll get this right. I'll get this right. Let, let me try this. Let me try this again. See how red I'm getting? is Google L-Razuli. That's all you have to do. A-L-R-A-S-S-O-L-I. Nothing else. That's it. All right. Thank you. I made it much harder than what it needed to be. God bless you. Give us three minutes. We'll be right back. Where's this hammering coming from? Thank you. 
Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric said. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Training Close in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We're offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either, but they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues, and so can you. Check out our American Heritage Journeys kit at www.changelessandwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. IQ Al Razuli is our guest, and we're talking all things uh, Middle East. Before the break, IQ, you were talking about Donald Trump and the the fight that he is waging against uh, immigration and the Islamic invasion of America. I want to ask you this: um, the relationship between President Trump and Netanyahu, and the possibility of them working out some kind of peace agreement. Netanyahu, this I think it was this week, said uh, as the uh, Saudi Arabian prince uh, in Qatar said that they were open to talk with um, Israel. Netanyahu said there's n- that the Arab partners have never been more willing to strike a deal with Israel. 
Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts on this? I want Americans to understand this. Since 1947, and for, in 1947, this is so important. I want Americans to know this. In 1947, the United Nations decided to be fair to both Arabs and Jews, to divide what was left by mandated Palestine by the British into two components. Areas with majority Jews to be a Jewish state, areas with majority Muslims to be an Arab state. Israel accepted. If you look at the geographic borders of the states that were supposed to be created, anybody with minimum intelligence will find out that Israel would not have been able to survive although they accepted it. But what happened, the Arabs refused. They wanted everything. They wanted the whole of so-called Palestine. So they went on a war of aggression in 1948. 15th of May, Israel declared its independence. Five to six Arab armies attacked. The Israelis had no air force, no tank brigades, no artillery brigades. And yet within a year, they were able to defeat the five armed forces of the Arabs. So when the Arabs speak about occupied territory, remember this, ladies and gentlemen. The Arabs occupied what was called the Holy Land. From whom? From the Byzantine Christians after the year 635 AD. They occupied this land from whom the Christians and the Jews. So for them to speak about occupation is hogwash and a lie. What I'm getting at is that today and since 1948 Arab armies from Iraq, from even Saudi Arabia, from Syria, from Lebanon, from Egypt, have been dying on behalf of the so-called Palestinian people. What $200,000 says, it's a challenge, ladies and gentlemen. By the time I finish this talk today, most probably I'll put it in at least $1 million of challenges. $200,000 says that no human being can find the word Palestine as a state and Palestinians as a people anywhere in recorded 6,000 years of history prior to 1964. So how come they are called Palestinians? The United Nations spoke of them as Arab refugees. If they were a state and a people, they would have called them Palestinian refugees. There are Indian refugees. There are other people, but they're named from the state that they came in. But never Palestinian refugees. They were called Arab. And Arabs always called themselves Arab, never Palestinian. In fact, the people who called themselves Palestinians were the Jews of Palestine. This way you had the, the Palestine Philharmonic Orchestra. Google it, check it. Yeah, so, IQ, I, I, I don't mean to take you off your stride, but I, this is one of the questions that I've always had. And, and please help me uh, personally understand this. Palestine does not and never has existed. Is that correct? Of course. I just gave you $200,000 to prove me wrong. 
Okay, okay, but I mean, because you know, we are we in the West are so brainwashed when we hear the word uh, Palestine is used, uh, Palestinians is used. But but what you're saying, just to be just to be clear, that that's a, that, that's a fabricated lie. I mean, that, that's Palestine never existed, and Palestinian I, is incorrect. Let's make it clear: Palestine as a state with people called Palestinians never existed. Okay. But Palestine under the Roman Empire did exist. Why? When the Jews in their final defeat in 135 AD, when they were defeated, the Roman Emperor decided to eliminate their history. So what happened? He changed the name of the Holy Land from Judea to Palestinia. Why Palestinia? Because he knew the Bible well enough. Although he was a pagan, he knew what the Bible said. Who were the worst enemies of the Jews? The Philistines. So, Philistine is Palestinians. And changed the name of Jerusalem to Aelia Elidina. The name of his wife. That's it. But as a people and as an entity, political entity, never existed. This is why I want to make everything clear, because somebody will say, but yes, but it was called, but yes, it was called Palestine. So what? Mumbai, uh, sorry, Bombay was called Bombay by the British, but its real name was Mumbai. So what are we discussing? Terminology. But historically, never existed. So they are invented people. So for 70 years, Arabs have been sacrificing their children on behalf of the Palestinians. And for 70 years, the Palestinians did absolutely nothing for themselves. Nothing. Abba Eben, the foreign minister of Israel, the foreign, he's dead now. He once said, and he was so true, it was so true, he said, the Arabs never miss a chance to miss a chance. That means every time there is a chance to make peace, they miss it. They were under Bill Clinton. Arafat was the one who did not want to make peace. And Bill Clinton said, we gave you almost 95% of what you wanted. So now the Arab states have an enemy which is greater than Israel. By the way, for 70 years, every Arab leader knew that Israel was never fit to Islam and never fit to the Arab states. They knew that. It's a small state. It's a small number of people against 400 million Arabs and you know, it's inconceivable that they were afraid, and they knew that. But the propaganda machines of the Arab states was enormous. And who helped them? The propaganda machines of the West. The fake news. They helped them. But now the leaders have got a greater enemy. And who's that great enemy? Shia Iran against Sunni Arabs. And who is the greatest enemy of Israel to since 1979, when the Ayatollahs took over Iran against Israel. So the enemy of my enemy now is my friend. Uh, Netanyahu's relationship with uh, al-Sisi of Egypt is excellent. The relationship with Saudi Arabia has been under the radar for quite a long time. And all of a sudden, 
the latest leader, the young man, is saying we have to talk to Israel. They've been talking to Israel, by the way, for a very long time. But they are coming out now. They hate the Palestinians. By the way, when I say Arabs hate Palestinians, I mean it. For example, they chucked them out from the, uh, Jordan. They chucked them hundreds of thousands, talk about hundreds of thousands of people. They chucked them out from the Yemen, from Saudi Arabia, and from Iraq. But they are Muslims, they are Arabs, yes. But they don't integrate. They deceive the very people who help them. In Kuwait, the Palestinians supported the armed forces of Iraq, which invaded Kuwait. Talk about duplicity. Talk about treason. So what do we have here? It changed political scenario. A threat from Iran is much more realistic than a threat from Israel. They always tell you, ah, but Israel wants a greater Israel. I ask those stupid animals who say that. If Israel wanted a greater Israel from the Euphrates to the Nile, why would they give 21,000 square miles of the Sinai Desert back to Egypt? Doesn't make sense, does it? But in Islam and Muslims, they don't have sense. I mean it, honestly. By the way, I'll give you another $200,000. $200,000 says that you will not find a single Muslim, there are 1,500 million of them, with two brain cells of logic when discussing religion, politics, and history. $200,000 says you can't find one. Back to you, sir. Well, uh, you're, you said a lot there, IQ, that, that is very accurate and very troubling at the same time. Um, we know that the clash of of religions and from Christianity to Islam to Judaism um, and the attempted merger, you know, in this peace process also that that we see them them talking about and, and working towards it all speaks to to prophecy, uh, and many people are concerned about that. But kind of um, switching gears here from the Israeli Palestine to uh, their neighbor in Syria. If you can, IQ, can you give us an update on the status of Assad and any recent territorial shifts that have been ongoing in Syria? Yes, the Assad is, as everybody knows, is supported by the Russians. And what everybody doesn't know, especially in America, that the Assad regime and the Syrian regime, from the day they were born in when Israel was created, especially, have only had relationship with the Soviet Union. And then with the Russian Federation under Putin. So America was never involved in any way, shape or form in Syria. Okay, they had diplomatic relations and Clinton, Hillary Clinton, when she visited Bashar al-Assad before everything, she said he was a great leader. Don't take my word for it. Google it. Always Google what I'm telling you. It's all this. It's all there. So he was a great leader. But all of a sudden he became a, not such a great He became a, a, a butcher. Question. Why would Bashar al-Assad, who is really a very sane leader, evil has nothing to do with it. Saddam Hussein was evil. 
Hitler was evil, Stalin was evil, Pol Pot was evil. But are they saying they were saying? Yes. Why would he use gas warfare against his own civilians? Killing 70 or 80 people. No reason, no rational reason why anybody would use minuscule amounts of gas to kill 80 or 70 people instead of using huge amount of gas as they used in World War One, where you kill thousands of people, especially against the enemy. So the accusation that he used it is not true. From my perspective, I'm not talking about anybody else. ISIS and the Muslims in every single war use every single strategy of war to defeat the other side, no matter how illegal it may be. ISIS have been killing their own commanders if they do not fulfill everything according to the rule. They have been killing anybody who, for example, smoke a cigarette. They kill them. Or he watched something on his, not laptop necessarily, on the mobile, which was unacceptable. For example, music or dancing. They kill them. So it is not impossible that they use their own gas weapons against civilians and blame it on the civil regime. Give you another example. Hundreds of millions of dollars that were given to the Palestinians in Gaza and especially in Gaza. What did they do with them? They're building tunnels to attack Israel. During the war, the last war between Israel and Gaza, the Palestinians used Red Cross so it was the, not Red Cross, it was the, the Hilal. Hilal means the Crescent, the Red Crescent. Uh, vehicles to transport military weapons and terrorists. They used tunnels which were built starting in a home or in a mosque or in a school to go all the way to, uh, into Israel. Who said that? The United Nations said that. Some of the reporters, not the Western reporters, Indian reporters, they had it on video and it's available on YouTube. They were shooting rockets from schools, from mosques against Israel. So that Israel, when it retaliates, the news media will say, oh, look, the Israelis, look how terrible they are. They're killing civilians. And IQ, if I can, this is something that the United Nations... Uh, was involved in, uh, especially because they were protecting sites where the uh, the weapons that were used against Israel were being held. And as you said, they they put them in schools and churches and in other areas uh, with the UN's knowledge. And I think that came out about a year ago. Correct. Let another example with the UN at the border between Israel and Lebanon. The Lebanese Hezbollah, the Shia have been building tunnels and weapons places right into the towns and the villages of southern Lebanon. They watched them, they know about it, Israel complained about it, they did absolutely nothing about it. And this is contrary to what the United Nations troops are there for. 
The United Nations is a corrupt organization. It is the most corrupt organization in human history. And yet, although Donald Trump, before he became president, said we shall deal with them, well, he's not dealing with them, really. The United States is an extremely powerful nation, not only militarily, but even economically. And although Donald Trump wants to do the right thing, and I, I watch and read about what's happening in America 24 hours a day. I mean, this is part of parcel of what I'm doing. He has a lot of people against him, not allowing him to do it. He gave a speech at the United Nations, by the way, the speech that he gave. No other president ever said what he did. So direct and so exact. He said to North Korea, we can obliterate you, we can remove you off the face of the earth, which of course you can. You have a nincompoop of a leader, a dangerous human being, threatening the most powerful nation on earth with destruction. Then you have another group of leaders, the Ayatollahs of Iran, doing exactly the same thing. And mo most Americans don't even realize that for 20, over 20 years, the Iranians and the North Koreans have been colluding together to create the atom bombs, the hydrogen bombs, and the delivery systems. It's very remarkable that a small country like Israel doesn't talk, they act. Saddam Hussein was building a nuclear reactor in Baghdad. The French were supplying it. In 1982, and he was threatening with the extermination. Was, I mean, it was blatantly clear, he said it, it is going to be done to exterminate Israel and the Jews. No problem. So Israel, Israel wasn't going to talk to him and the United Nations. It was a waste of time. In 1982, as far as I remember, eight aircraft spent two minutes over Baghdad. They destroyed the nuclear reactor. In 2007, again, I'm talking from memory, and you can double check it, they destroyed the nuclear reactor in Syria. Again, they didn't make a fuss. They didn't threaten anybody. They just did it. While the Europeans and Americans have been talking and talking and talking for 30 years with North Korea, without any results, you keep, you keep on talking. Well, you can't keep on talking while your enemy is getting stronger and stronger and he's telling you he's going to kill you. I mean, if I have a neighbor who says to me, I have ordered a gun and when it comes, I'm going to kill you. I have, cho I have two choices. Wait until he shoots me or I shoot him first. You know what? I'll take a risk. I'll shoot him first. Because I take the threat seriously. As we I should. I should. No, I'm not kidding with you. Yeah, I uh, know. Uh, believe me. I'm right there behind you. I, I'd be shooting. I'd be, I'd be right next to you shooting back or shooting with you. Yeah. Thank you. Because he's threatening me. And one thing we should have learned from history, which is only recent, when Hitler said he would destroy the Jews, he would destroy the communists, he would destroy anybody who is, let's say, not Aryan race, he meant it. 
But people say, no, no, he doesn't mean it. Or he's a demagogue. Or the German nation is a civilized nation. Well, I'll tell you why. Between 1933, when he took over as chancellor, and 1939, when the war started, six years. Within six years, he turned a civilized people called Germans into demonic human beings. That's it. How did he do that? Propaganda. First, he took the armaments, not armaments, the guns and uh, rifles of the Germans. By the way, that's exactly what the Democrats want to do in America. They want to take your guns away. By taking the guns away from the civilians, they had no way to defend themselves. And he had the Gestapo and he had the armed forces. Then, he said, you give me the children. And I controlled the, the, the state. And he did. The children were became boys and girls, part and parcel of Nazi regime. They were indoctrinated into Nazi re, the, theology, which is, which is a, you can call it theology, because Hitler became the god of the Nazi system. So within six years, he had the mightiest military machine the world had ever known. The only country on earth which was prepared for war in Europe was little Switzerland. The only country. Switzerland. But America is talking and talking and talking and threatening and threatening and nobody is getting anywhere. And yet you have the weapons. You don't send food uh, troops on the ground. You don't need to send troops on the ground anymore only to occupy a land. But to destroy the, the facilities of the enemy, you have standoff weapons. Even Israel today, although Iran is threatening with its destruction, and people say, no, Israel cannot fly over, Israel does not have to fly over Saudi Arabia. They don't have to fly over Muslim territory. They had, as far as I remember, five submarines from Germany, which they modified to carry cruise missiles. All they have to do is go to the Gulf of Persia or the Gulf of Arabia. And they are within 500 miles from any target in Iran with missile technology that they have, they can destroy multiple targets instantly without troops on the ground. You, you know, yeah. IQ, I, I, just, I, I just want to say this. I really appreciate your assessment. Uh, now, now this, is, this is a side, a, a part that we have not heard much from you about before, and, and I really appreciate your analysis on this military analysis, and and um, uh, you know how to contain and defeat, not just contain but defeat the enemy. And I and I think that um, uh, I, 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 lo I love this analysis that you're providing to us. I think it's very valuable. And um, again, this is something I and I've been listening to you for quite some time, and I know you've touched on this, but not in the detail that you're doing now. And I think that you're absolutely right. By the way. I just want to say thank you for addressing that, that was so so specifically. Thank you for your support. That, honestly, all I want Americans to do is to understand what I'm telling them. 
not to believe me. Think about it. I don't tell you to believe me, no. I give lectures sometimes to students. And at the end of the lecture I tell them, listen, don't believe a word I told you. Not because I like you. I want you to go and double check and triple check me. And if you find fault, email me. Well, thank God, so far I've never had any problem. So I'm not telling you Americans to believe what I'm telling you. I want you to use your own computers to double check me. And since I am right, and you'll find out that I'm right, then you should think about it. You should think about it. Everything I say to you will affect not only you. I'm not doing it for myself. Tomorrow I'll be dead. In a minute I'll be dead. I don't mind. I don't care. But you have children, you have grandchildren. You have to worry about them. If you don't wake up, you will follow in the footsteps of your of your. True, this guy you said he was crying. I honestly believe we're coming to a point where the European natives will start to use violence against the Muslims. I've been waiting I... for this for three years. I've been waiting for this for three years. What do you think? I... IQ, we we are right up against the break. We'll pick up right where we left off on the other side. Folks, you're listening to this edition of the Hagman Report. IQ Al Razuli is our guest. He's going to be with us throughout the next hour, so don't go anywhere. We still got a lot we're going to cover with him from troop deployments in Afghanistan and the U.S. foreign policy strategy there to the Vatican's role as the, uh, pushes, as he pushes the Islamification of the EU. We'll be right back. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high net worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. 
You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. At HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Al Rizzuli, a man I've got a tremendous amount of respect for. It's uh, where he's at at locations that uh, location I will not disclose. Of course, it's uh, early in the morning, late at night, depending on what's well, in the middle of the night. Let's just say that he's making a sacrifice, sacrificing his time to be on this program, um, telling the truth about what is taking place all across the, all across the world with the what, what I now these are my words, the plague. Of Islam. Now, you might think that's rather harsh. Uh, I believe, and, and I think IQ would would likely agree with me that that Islam, to me, when I look at that, this is not a religious or it's not a religion. It is a it is a political ideology disguised as a religion or presented as a religion rather erroneously. Now, that's just those are my words, and I'm absolutely willing to be corrected by Mister. Thank you, Al Rizzoli, but it's su- such a great pleasure to have with us a man of, of his scholarly uh, acumen about the topic that threatens the very way of life that you and I live and um, threatens all of the West. And I've got to tell you, when I look at the problems, and I, I see Islam being weaponized. I see that Islam has been weaponized. It, it, it's, it, it's ripe for weaponization, but it's nonetheless, it's uh, inherently uh, a weapon in and of itself, but it's being uh, also weaponized by the uh, globalists as well to unleash upon the Christians and all non-Muslims. But, but having said that, IQ, welcome back. Am I correct in that description, sir, or is that a, a misstatement or overstatement? The only thing you were correct, incorrect was you called it a religion. Ah, Islam is, okay. a cult, is a cult belief system. Let me explain to the listeners. A religion is when you believe in a god, a deity. Cultism is when you follow and emulate a human being. Every single Muslim must follow the Sunnah of Muhammad. Because according to the Quran, Muhammad was the most perfect male ever created, superior to Jesus, Moses, and Abraham. So, by definition, the fact that they must follow what Muhammad believed in, what Muhammad did, how Muhammad lived, how he cleaned his genitals. This is cultism. This has nothing to do with anything else. Cultism, disguised as a belief system, as a religion. 
Correct, it's political, it's economic, but it is still cultism. They followed what Muhammad did 1400 years ago. ISIS is a throwback. ISIS is throwback to Muhammad's 8th century Arabia. That's exactly what they want the whole world to be in. 8th century Arabia. That's why they prohibit nowhere in the Quran is there any prohibition of dancing, of music, of having sex with a woman who is not married? All these things are not in the Quran. He, in the Sunnah, in the Hadith. So all these things that they are not doing, all these prohibitions were prohibited outside the Quran by Muhammad. That's why I said it's a cult belief system. Okay, it's political. That's nothing. It doesn't change the fact that it's a cult. Otherwise, 100%. As I said before, every single Muslim, by definition, is the mortal and eternal enemy of every human being on the planet who is not a Muslim. Back to you, sir. Thank you for that. And and, and you're exactly right. Um, in In... And words mean things, and when we dis- when we use these descriptions, I think it's important to be accurate. And thank you for uh, that clarification and that correction. Um, you had mentioned about President Trump's uh, uh, statement delivery to the United Nations, and, and, I, and I found it refreshing myself. The um, w- w- what do you think now, in general? And, and I've been when I when I when I heard you were coming on the show. I had so many questions to ask you about your thoughts about the United States posturing, for for example, the troop deployment in Afghanistan, our policy of military strategy as it, as it is right now moving forward into that country. Do you agree with, uh, are, are we fighting, um, terrorism is a tactic, it's not a target. Are we fighting the enemy properly? And I know you mentioned about we don't have to, you know, Occupy. We can destroy without occupation. But if you were running the show, IQ, how would you handle Afghanistan? How would you handle the situation that America finds itself in? Okay. First of all, I don't. I would not allow my soldiers. If I, if I were an American president, I would not allow my soldiers to die uselessly against Islam. I would remove them from Afghanistan. Let me explain to you as bluntly and as clearly as possible. I would like our listeners to notice. I would like to make it crystal clear to our audience that I am unabashedly and very proudly politically incorrect. Because you will find out that I only tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And to prove that my statements are unchallengeable, I have had and still have for the last 12 years over one and a half million dollars worth of challenges to anyone listening or reading my article to prove anything I reveal as either false or misleading. So what I'm getting at is Islam is the enemy. Muslims are the enemy. No matter how outrageous this statement is, ask a Muslim Ask your moderate, friendly Muslim a simple question. According to your belief system, I am not a Muslim, 
according to your belief system, what am I called? If your nice, lovely neighbor Muslim is decent and truthful, he will tell you you are called a kafir, an infidel. But what is the destiny of a kafir under Islam? Shockingly and simply, under Islam, non-Muslims have got two choices, two. Either submit to Sharia or to be exterminated. So tell me, this nice Muslim, how is he so nice? Just because he just doesn't kill you? Just because he's not cutting your throat? Afghanistan is an Islamic society. The British lost there. The Russians lost. And you are losing. Who are you fighting? A lot of Americans have died. You know that and I know that and unfortunately not many Americans know that. Although the Americans are dying in there. They were killed by Afghani soldiers. They called it green on blue or green on something else. I don't give it them. As far as I'm concerned, the life of every single American in Afghanistan is equal to at least 10,000 Taliban anytime. Sounds outrageous? No. An American life is worthy more than 10,000 Taliban. Why? Because Taliban are useless. They're mass murderers. They are throwback to the 8th century of Muhammad's Arabia. It sounds outrageous. I know. I don't care. Don't fight in Afghanistan. Don't send your troops in Syria and in Iraq. They are killing each other. And what are you going to do? At the moment, as you said earlier, America supports one group against another group, then another group, a third group. But each one of these groups is Islamic. It doesn't matter whether it's Shia. It doesn't matter whether it's Sunnis. Although they hate each other, they are Americans. Both of them hate you who are not Muslims. Both of them. So who are you supporting? Tell me, please. Who are you supporting? I want to know. As I said... Sorry, yeah, but it's a simple question. I always simple questions. Donald Trump, he is in a very difficult situation. No leader in the whole of Europe, except the blonde-haired Kurt uh, Wilders in the Netherlands, who addresses the subject of Islam in a realistic manner. He says, ban the Quran. The Quran is not a holy book. The Quran is not a holy book. It's the most disgusting scripture ever recorded by human uh, in the human history. The most disgusting. It's hate mongering, war mongering, misogynist, racist, duplicitous, hypocritical, intolerant, vile, and is totally ungodly. And two hundred thousand dollars says no one listening can prove me wrong. That's another. So I already have six hundred thousand dollars with you. Yeah. And the reason I say these, it's not to boast, is to prove a point that I cannot be defeated in a debate. No human being on planet Earth, and no intelligent life outside the solar system, discussing the subject of Islam, can defeat me in a debate. 
Again, I said to you, I'm politically incorrect. All I want from anybody listening who thinks I'm bombastic, I'm exaggerating, okay, if I am a hot air balloon, pinprick it, bring it crashing down to earth. I dare you. Care is listening. Care knows about me. They know a lot about me. But they never come against me. Linda Sarsour, I sent her email, I wrote articles about her. She is the darling of the left wing in Europe, in uh, New York, especially uh, de Blasio, another jerk. He knows about Islam as much as a pig knows about hygiene. And I'm insulting the pig in this case. So what do we have? You've got to face reality once and for all. In churches and in synagogues, the priest and the rabbi, they do not incite the Jews and the Christians to hate anybody who is not a Jew or a Christian. But every imam in every mosque, every Friday, has to recite verses from the Quran that incite the people listening to him to hate the very people they live amongst, if they are in Europe, in France, in Germany, in England, or in America. They hate you. Why? Because they have no choice in the matter. This is exactly what the Quran teaches them. So what do you expect them to do? What do you expect them to do? They have no choice. I know it's difficult to absorb, but it is a fact. They have no choice in the matter. And that's the tragedy. The tragedy for us and the tragedy for them. They have no choice. And to prove a point again, chapter 5, verse 51. The chapter is called Al-Ma'idah, a table by the way. And the Quran says, O ye who believe, Muslims, take not the Jews, Yahud, and the Christians, Nasara, for your friends and protectors. They are but friends and protectors to each other. And he amongst you, Muslims, that turns to them for friendship is of them. Again, I repeat these verses to make an impression, to make it's so important they understand it is not me who is against Islam. I'm not against Islam. I'm revealing what Islam is all about. The implications of the last sentence is of immense importance. Now I repeat it again. And he amongst you Muslims that turns to them, Jews and Christians or non-Muslims, is of the means that any followers of Muhammad who befriend or are under the rule of Christians or Jews or any non-Muslim group would be considered apostates to Islam, enemies of Islam, outsiders to Islam who must be slaughtered. In a nutshell, ladies and gentlemen, no Muslim in the USA or any non-Muslim country can ever be loyal to the American Constitution or any other Constitution because it is not man, it is man-made, not from Allah Sharia. Nor can any Muslim in the USA or any non-Muslim country be a loyal citizen. Because, for example, in America, non-Muslim Americans are called infidels, kuffar, unbelievers, kafirun, to be either subjugated to Sharia or exterminated. 
Again, I'm not saying that. Muhammad Quran says that. Now, how are you Americans going to do to deal with it? Is your choice. But don't tell me about tolerance. Tolerating the intolerant is self-destructive. No Christian, no Jew can be in Saudi Arabia or any Muslim state with a Bible. Yet they are allowed to come to Europe and America with their, with their Quran. No Christian, no Jew, no anybody else can proselytize in any Muslim country because they will kill them instantly. Yet they come to every country outside Darul Islam, the territory of the Muslims, and they proselytize and we allow them. And you call that tolerance? Yes, I understand tolerance, but I don't understand stupidity. I don't understand self-immolation. I don't understand self-destruction. This is self-destruction. Disguised as tolerance. You cannot and must not ever tolerate the intolerance. And Islam is totally intolerant. A Amen, brother. You, you have said what we have been saying, and we, we learned it from, from you. And I remember uh, being you know on with you um, years ago on the uh, Roth show with Lori Roth and uh, talking this, you know, in hearing you for the first time, I believe it was on that platform. And, and right. you were saying you were saying that very same issue or the same thing. Now I, I've got a, that that was that was what ten years ago, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's you've yeah. been around. Now I've got a, I've got a question for you, uh, Q, and um, I know you can address this directly. What we're seeing, what what I've seen, what I've learned, I should say, and 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 researched myself since since the events of nine eleven, the um, the outreach by Christians to Muslims has been mind boggling. But here's here's a fact that I've seen. Maybe you can translate what's happening um, uh, that I've witnessed. In, and, and I'll just give you one example. In Buffalo, New York, and, and I've got the documentation, probably the, the, the papers would amount to the size of a Manhattan phone book. Um, property records, uh, uh, deed transfers, titles, transfers, and everything. Here's, here's what I witnessed and researched and verified, in, in, for example, in Buffalo, New York. The Christian, you, you'll find a Catholic or Christian church sell their property to Muslims. The uh, A Muslim organization, a group, uh, or perhaps an individual imam, they in turn will buy that, buy that church, convert it into a mosque, and consider that, that there's some sort of celebration or celebratory I issue with that. And in addition, what they do is once they have that church, they begin buying property up around that mosque, formerly a church, under various names such as the uh, Isna or uh, uh, MSA, or, or, or it depends on which, you know, it, it depends. Um, what's happening with that? Can you explain that process? And, and they, they seem to relish in taking over, converting churches to mosques. I, and I know that question sounds simple, but I think there's something much deeper to that. Of course. They are planting Sharia. And you're allowing it. There is no chance in hell or heaven that any mosque 
will teach tolerance. They don't exist. You know, you have, I have, well, not you, I have, sometimes, uh, Christians or Jews, and they usually are really unlearned either in Christianity or in the Hebrew Bible. Who say, yes, uh, the Christian will say, yes, but we had, we attacked them in Salibiyin, uh, uh, Crusaders. Or the Jews will say, yes, but they are in the Bible, horrible acts of violence. Yeah, okay. So I tell these stupid people the following. I tell the Jew, $200,000 show me a single verse in the Bible inciting the followers of Moses to slaughter, rape, murder, plunder, and occupy other people. I have silence. Then I turn to the Christian. You're stupid. And I say that because I don't cover anything. I mean, I'm, I'm politically incorrect. I tell you, you're stupid. The Crusades were the result of 300 years of Muslim Jihad who were raping enslaving and selling Christians who visited the Holy Land. So why are you complaining? You see, ignorance today, as far as I'm concerned, is not uh, an acceptable excuse. Because at the click of a mouse, you have maybe 20 billion pages of information. Never in history of humanity can any single human being reach so much information with so little effort. So, as far as I'm concerned, the people who do not know the subject are either willingly stupid or stupid. Can't be anything else. Because the, the, the elephant is filling the room. We watch since 9-11. I have never had a single day or watched a single program without Muslims killing somebody somewhere or doing something wrong. Since 9-11. In the Philippines, Christian country, they want to have their own state. In Myanmar, which is, uh, it used to be Burma, they're killing Hindus and Buddhists and they want to have their own state. By the way, in the Philippines, there are Filipinos who were converted to Islam. The one in Burma were Buddhists who were converted to Islam. When I say converted, they were forced into conversion. Nobody with two brain cells of logic, nobody with two brain cells of logic, and a bit of decency will convert to Islam. Because Islam is completely and utterly against everything that a human being wants to strive for. There is no happiness in Islam. Khomeini, the leader of Shia Islam, said there is no joy in Islam. I didn't say that. Google it. He said that. And he's right. He said Muslims have to pray five times a day, believe only in Allah, and bring Sharia to dominate the whole world. That's it. That's the purpose of every Muslim for the last 1400 years. It's not for them to enjoy life. It is for them to make our life miserable. Mm -hmm. This is exactly what it is. Not for I you to... Uh, yes, sir. 
if we can uh, switch gears a little bit, I want to make sure that we give this uh, next topic the proper time it deserves. We've had a number of guests on our show, uh, Josh Tolley uh, being one of them, who exposed Catholic charities and other Catholic organizations being paid thousands of dollars per refugee to get them here. But in the larger context, I want to talk about the Vatican's role as one of the chief proponents of the continued Islamic invasion of Europe and its attempted influence of the same in the U.S. Why is the Vatican and the Pope pushing so hard? And basically, uh, he made the comments that you know Trump can't be pro-life because of his immigration views. You mentioned earlier that you know the even Trump's calls for vetting. Uh, uh, Muslims coming to this country is is racist. But what is the why is the Pope so adamant about seeing this Islamic invasion in the in the U.S. and especially Europe? Okay. Pope Francis is more concerned with the plight of Muslims than those of Christians. Not once did he mention the mass slaughter of Coptic Christians on Easter Sunday by Muslims. Yeah, but he was uh, hundreds died in a bomb. Yeah, I'm sorry. Hundreds died in a bomb that went widely underreported here in the U.S. But he was more upset about the butchery of Shia Muslims in Syria by Sunni Muslims. Under Francis' watch, more Christians have been murdered, raped, terrorized, plundered, and dispossessed than under any pope in recent history. And Francis has been definitely, definitely quiet all these years. So that he would not offend Muslims. Even more disturbing are his assertions to his followers of 1.2 billion that he could not find any aggressive verses in Muhammad's Quran when any fair-minded human being with two brain cells of logic will find at least 100 of them. How Francis can sleep at night is beyond my comprehension. I understand what Catholicism is. A Catholic must believe in the Trinity, Mary, the mother of God, and the infallibility of the Pope on doctrinal matters. This Pope is interfering in science, which he doesn't know anything about, and in politics, which he doesn't know anything about. His support of Islam is beyond comprehension and beneath contempt. I really can't figure it out. Why would any Christian, or so-called Christian, support Islam? when they are slaughtering his own flock right in front of his eyes. He made approaches with the Imam of Al-Azhar University. Ladies and gentlemen, Al-Azhar University in Cairo is like the Vatican of Islam. No Imam can ever respect Pope Francis. It doesn't matter here. They hug him, they kiss him, they kiss him. That is irrelevant. Because according to Islam, Catholicism has a trinity, which is shirk. Shirk is the most abhorrent item against Islam, from the, their, their own theology, their own belief system. Associating Allah with his a son called Jesus is anathema, unaccepted, unacceptable. And yet, Pope Francis thinks by hugging them and being nice to them, is rewarding, it's not rewarding, it's self-destructive. 
I cannot figure it out, by the way. I can't understand it. And you can't understand it. The same reason I can't understand how Angela Merkel, the leader of Germany, would allow one and a half million so-called refugees to come in. 85% of them are of young men of military age who will never integrate, who will never assimilate. It will cost Europe billions, not millions, billions of euros to try to accommodate them. They have to give them finance because they haven't got any jobs. And it will take them years to learn the language and to integrate. But they will never integrate. In America, you have the Somalis, I think it's Minnesota mostly. Many of them joined ISIS. But they are not the only ones. They cannot integrate. I explained it to you. I gave you the verses of the Quran. They follow the Quran. All of you have got to come to one single conclusion. Whatever is happening all over the world by Muslim, it's determined by one single item. They all read the same book called Quran. So the enemy of humanity, the most despicable, the most deadly virus that has ever infected the human mind is called Quran. You can't beat it. You have to eradicate it. You have to sanction. You've got to put it in a sanatorium. When somebody has got an Ebola virus, you put them away. You have to separate them. We cannot have Islam and Europeans. We can't have Muslims and Americans. We cannot have Muslims anywhere outside Dar al-Islam, that means the territory of the Muslims. Because according to Islam, humanity is divided into two parts. Dar al-Islam, the territory of the Muslims, where the majority are Muslims. And Dar al-Harb, the territory of war, which means what? Any country which does not have a majority of Muslims is called Dar al-Harb, the territory of war. That means the Muslims have every right to plunder it, to rape it, to destroy it, to enslave it. This is Islam, you can't change it. And unless and until, as I said, you ban Sharia, and then by automatically you ban Islam, you are not going to win anything. You're going to lose. That's right. Not only you. The whole of Europe will lose. The whole of America will lose. The whole of the world will lose. Yes. This is a world war. The Chinese are suffering from it. The Russians are suffering from it. The Indians are suffering from it. It's not only Europe. It's not only Christians. It's Buddhists and Hindus also, besides the Jews. This is a world war. has been going on for 1400 years when Muhammad in chapter 9 verse 5 declared war on humanity who do not follow him. That wow. You, you speak the truth. Our guest is IQ Al-Razuli. And just for those... Um uh, listening, uh, we, 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 we skipped the bottom of the hour break for continuity. We'll have to make that up on the back end of the, of the show. So we, we have you for another 15 minutes, uh, about 15 minutes IQ. Um, I, I really want to turn the floor over to you. 
your teach you know there's really no question that we could ask that would at this point really be as meaningful as whatever is on your heart your mind to really push forward in uh, the you know to wrap up uh, the the final 15 minutes together that we have so i'm going to turn it we're, we're joe and i are going to turn it over to you and whatever is again is most pressing on your heart your mind whatever you would like to see uh to tell our audience you know whatever it might be just just go ahead and take it we're going to give you the floor because your information is so prescient so important and and i hope and i hope everyone is listening to this we've got listeners checking in right now from from the uk from germany We've got two checking in from uh, Australia. We've got uh, numerous people from Canada. So you've got a, a basically a worldwide audience. Uh, this is the people that we're checking in. And then we know that there are many other countries represented. But go ahead and speak your heart, IQ. It's, it's very important that the people who are listening to this show, I'm not trying to convert you. I'm not trying to... Eat force you into believing what I'm saying. All I ask any of you, don't waste your money buying the Quran. Google the Quran. And don't waste your time reading all 114 chapters. That's a waste of time. All you need to do is read chapter 2 to chapter 9. And I promise you, if you come to any conclusion opposite to mine, you really should be put in a mental aside. I'll give you an example. Al-Qardawi is the leader uh, of the most powerful unit in Sunni Islam. He is the foremost authority on Sunni Islam. In an interview with an Arabic station, the interviewer asked him in Arabic, but of course you got, I, I speak Arabic anyway, but there was subtitles. The interviewer asked him, why is it mandated in the Quran that if somebody leaves Islam, should be slaughtered? Al-Qardawi, I think, is over eight years old. And he made the biggest mistake of his life. He told the truth, which is unusual in Islam. He said, had it not been mandated in the Quran that anyone any Muslim who leaves Islam will be slaughtered there would be no Muslims I want you to understand what I'm telling you I want you to digest what I'm telling you without the death sentence to anyone who leaves Islam there would be no Islam means Muslims continue to be Muslims because of terror. I want you to understand and absorb the magnitude of this man's revelation. He told the truth. Muhammad said, and it says in Bukhari hadith, in Muslim hadith, in every hadith, Muhammad gloated and boasted and said, Allah made me victorious with terror. 
Islam is not only about submission. Islam is about submission through terror. How is it possible that there are one and, one, one and a half billion Muslims on the face of the planet? It was possible because they forced into conversion hundreds of millions of people. How did they force them? Jizya. What is Jizya? Jizya is a penalty, it's not a tax. It's a penalty imposed upon people who refuse to become Muslims. And invariably, it is an onerous penalty. So, when somebody is being treated with contempt and then made to pay 30-40% of their earnings, yet when they convert to Islam, they pay 2-5% to of their earnings. It's a matter of pure logic for survival purposes to convert to Islam. And that's exactly what happened all over the world, all over three continents when they conquered it. Asia, Africa, and in the Middle East. And then in Europe. That's exactly what happened. It's Muhammad in the year 622 when he left and escaped from Mecca to, him to go to Medina. He made Medina the center of the first organized crime syndicate in human history. Islam is an organized crime syndicate. Can I prove it? Well, I don't need to prove it. What does ISIS do? What does Boko Haram do? What do Al-Shabaab do? They terrorize. They plunder, they rape, they enslave. That is exactly what Muhammad used to do. They are emulating. So, no matter how difficult it is to absorb what I'm telling you, and especially Christians and Jews, decent human beings, find it extremely difficult to believe that a religion, which they think is a religion, can be so evil. And yet, there is no belief system more disgusting, more horrible, more pathetic than Islam. There is none. And I have been proving this for 30 years. I don't want to prove it. I need you, our listeners, to also research it. And I'm not asking you to do 30 years of research. All I ask you to do is read chapter 2 to chapter 9. Maybe two and a half hours of your time. But these two and a half hours will change your life. Some of you who read it will convert to Islam. I know. Sounds ridiculous, but it isn't. People who are a criminal mind will convert to Islam. Why do I say that? The most successful conversions to Islam occur in the prison system in Europe and the prison systems in America. The most successful. Many priests emailed me. Why is it that many of the criminals are converting to Islam and not to Jesus? 
Well, the answer again is simple. Islam is music to the ear of a criminal. Why do I say it? Islam allows the criminal who is in the criminal justice system because he raped, murdered, stole, or did something wrong. But Islam allows him to do this, especially against non-Muslims. It is music. It is literally Islam is music to the ear of anyone who is a criminal mind. The rapist can go and rape infidels. The plunderer can go and plunder infidels because they are infidels, because they are beasts in the sight of Allah. They are not human beings, they are beasts. The Qur'an says that, I don't say that. Al-Anfal, chapter 8, verse 55. For the worst of beasts in the sight of Allah are those who reject Him. They will not believe. La yu'minuna. The Qur'an is full of this. Why do I say chapters 2 to chapters 9? Al-Imran chapter 3.85 If anyone desires a religion other than Islam, submission to Allah, never will it be accepted of him. Al-Tawbah chapter 9 verse 33, you see, is within the numbers. It is he, Allah, who has sent his apostle Muhammad with guidance and the religion of truth, Islam, to proclaim it over all other religions. This is, these verses remind me of Hitler's Mein Kampf, the Nazi master race creed. The worst of all of these things is that dhimmis, dhimmis are people who are subject to Islam, non-Muslims. In Egypt, the Copts, who are actually Christian, of course, and who are actually the descendants the literal descendants of the pharaohs are treated as dhimmis. Dhimmis are subservient to Islam. Dhimmis have very few rights under Islam. In fact, they have no rights under Islam. None. Under Islam, a Christian cannot build a church without permission. Cannot even repair a church without permission. Under Islam, a Christian cannot ring the bell. They cannot make demonstrations in the street. There are so many rules and regulations against Christians, Jews and Hindus and Buddhists and everybody else who is not a Muslim that it forces the people to turn to Islam. It forces them. And this is the whole idea. The idea is numbers, not quality. There is no quality in Islam. There is zero quality in Islam. I explain it to you. Muslims are 1.5 billion, 20% of humanity. They are the least productive, least inventive, least creative in human history. Sounds difficult to absorb. Again, I say to you, this is prove me wrong. We non-Muslims, whom I call Ummat al-Kuffar. Non-Muslims are called Ummat al-Kuffar. I call them. Ummat al-Kuffar means the nation of infidels. We, non-Muslims, 
are the most productive, most inventive, most creative, and most powerful in human history. And yet our leaders are running like a chicken without a head, facing Islam. Can I explain it? I can't explain it. Sorry, I can't. Because I cannot explain irrationality. I can't. Nobody can. I give you a, a solid example, which I use regular, regular. Jews are 0.2% of humanity. 15 million. 15 million. Muslims are 1,500 million. Jews have gathered over 20% of all Nobel Prize winners. Muslims, 20% of humanity have got 0.2% of Nobel Prize winners. Can anybody explain that? Of course there is an explanation, but I want somebody to explain it to me. Another example. 57 Muslim majority states, 1,500 million people, does not have a single certified accredited university. Not one. Israel with 8 million has four accredited universities. And I'm talking about accredited by the West. How can anybody explain? The answer is against it. The Quran. The Quran prohibits the Muslims from investigation, from contradiction. It tells the Muslim, never question the Quran. It tells the Muslim, Alam. Alam in Arabic means knowledge. And every Imam will tell you, the Islam, the Quran says, knowledge is important. Bull crap. When you study the Quran, you will understand that Alam or knowledge has to do only with knowledge of Muhammad, his Quran, and his Sunnah and nothing else, which is Sharia. Nothing to do with, uh, what do you call it, science and technology, with art. And to prove my point, another $200,000 says, no human being can name 10 Muslims, not Arabs, 10 Muslims, who have contributed anything to the advancement and betterment of humanity in any field of human endeavor in the last 600 years. That's about 2,000 million Muslims in the last 600 years. $200,000, near 10 of them. Cannot buy, cannot be done. Name five of them in the last 1400 years in Arabia, in the Arabian Peninsula. Five, in the last 1400 years. Another $200,000. Cannot be done. Back to you, sir. Wow, IQ, you really uh, said a whole lot there. And it's all right on the money, um, kind of dovetailing off what we talked about with the the Vatican. I've noticed a, a disturbing trend, and I know you've you've covered the Muslim ideology, what they want to accomplish, and how uh, much of an enemy they are to all other r- religions on the face of the earth. But I want to talk about this. You know, we see the EU. Uh, European Union politicians and leaders of the different states inside of the EU uh, continue to proclaim that they're going to bring in as as many uh, Muslim refugees as possible. We've seen cases in Sweden where uh, one Muslim refugee with three different wives and 16 children 
was uh, the three different apartments were purchased for him by the government of Sweden, totaling $1.7 million, while one of the residents was had, had an elderly, ill Swedish man who was kicked out on the street for the purpose of housing this refugee with three wives and 16 children. Insanity. In three separate residents. And this is a trend that is ongoing in many countries, Germany, Denmark, Sweden, uh, and much, much more. I don't, I don't have the list in front of me. But one thing we're seeing in Paris and Brussels and in other big cities are these refugee, Muslim refugee camps, these tent cities that are set up all across the different parts of European cities and also these Sharia patrols. And this goes to what you, you were talking about. Uh, we have Muslims going around in, in uh, Western European cities and terrorizing people of those cities for drinking alcohol, listening to music, smoking cigarettes, even though they're not Muslim, and no-go zones that police even refuse to go into because of the Muslim presence there. Do you expect this to continue to get worse? And at some point, will we see... Uh, you know, these Muslims band together and, and try to take over a city. We see a lot of lone wolf attacks and small terror cells creating havoc all across different cities in Europe and some in the U.S. But at some point, are we going to see a like unified Muslim attack on a nation state in Europe? Yes, but you use the word which is wrong, expression. There is no such thing as a lone wolf. There is no such thing as a lone wolf Muslim. Every Muslim is a potential ISIS. Every Muslim is a potential mass murderer. But I mean, we ex- I explained that. You've got to, you see, again, it's very difficult to absorb it. Every single Muslim is the enemy of every single human being who's not a Muslim. That's it. So there are not no, these are not lone wolf. They are Muslims. They are reading the Quran and they are following the instruction. This is why I said ISIS is not a unity. It's not a, 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 a what do you call it? A brain, a massive brain which controls everything. No. Every Muslim on planet Earth is a member of ISIS, either as a jihadi Muslim or a stealth jihadi Muslim. But a member of ISIS. They read the same book. They follow the same, the same uh, uh, human being called Muhammad bin Abdullah, who was a mass murderer, a serial rapist. Sorry, a predator of our women and a, a rapist, a serial rapist. Plus, uh, being the head of the first organized crime syndicate in human history. No, there are no lone wolves. They don't exist. Only in the warped mind of the news media. Again, I was hoping three years ago there would be a revolution in Europe, a revolution by the people. I'm still hoping that there will be a revolution. And the revolution is going to be a bloodbath, by the way. It's going to be a bloodbath. The European natives against the Muslims. Why? Because the Muslims are terrorizing them. In many European countries, the National Health Service spends 40% of its income on Muslims because they carry diseases and Muslims intermarry within the family so the generations among the generations of their children they have a lot of children who are not uh, not well formed mentally or physically these are facts ladies and gentlemen indisputable facts 
And and simply put, IQ, it's amazing to hear. And I know I've known this. You've said this before, and but it's it's to hear this again. I think everyone needs to to let other people know about this about your appearance tonight. Spread the word, um, IQ. You've you've been such a valuable informational asset to this program tonight. I cannot thank you enough. You've uh, the the response we're getting from from your appearance tonight is just overwhelming, and we thank you for that. We're we're about uh, we're actually almost uh, we're about forty five seconds here left. Uh, we only have about forty five seconds left with you. I would like to thank you for having me. And I would like to thank your audience for being a supporter of mine. Well, all the time, any day, and I'll tell you, IQ, we have so much respect for you, and thank you so much for your appearance tonight. May God bless you. May God keep you safe. And uh, until next time, thank you. We're out of thank time, you. brother. Yes, all right. Bye-bye. Yeah. Right. That was IQ Al-Razuli. Uh, what a brave man. And we we only have a few minutes left here because of the the, the skipping the break earlier, and and, and um, there there might be a well anyway uh, the the remaining few moments we have left of our of our program. If I could just uh, just say one thing, you, you heard from IQL Rizzoli. We have we got the straight straight scoop on what's taking place with with Islam. Some will I can guarantee you. I, look, I trust me when I tell you this. You've got no idea the receiving end from the receiving end from uh, right wing watch places like that. Jihad watch? Uh, no, no. Oh no, the right wing watch is the right. the organization that points out the oh. you know terrorist on trust, the right. Trust me when I tell you, tomorrow's inbox. I'm gonna it's gonna get blown out of the water in this office. But but here's the thing, we got to make a stand, and 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 we have to call this insanity for what it is and I applaud Mr. IQL Rizzoli for doing that and, and visit his website it's going to be linked in the program descri- description all you have to do is click, click the link and study the uh, material that's on his website and I want to thank Brent Bolesky for arranging that interview and thank um, thank IQ for spending the time when he, sh- he should be sleeping excuse me, should be sleeping um, talking to us and one last thing I want to say, and then I'm going to turn it over to you, Joe, is, is this. You, you you heard Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer. You saw Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer. If you didn't see it, the, the visual impact of, of that segment, if you're listening to this on Global Star Radio Network or BTR, hop on over to YouTube, our YouTube channel. And by the way, subscribe while you're there. But take a look at what Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer CoachDaveLive.com. What he's doing for the relief or for the uh, relief of the flood victim, victims in Texas. You know, I, I that, that's one thing I never understood. In and I told my neighbor this, Jack, who uh, a good friend of mine. He goes to the Dominican every every January with with his church for I mean to, for missionary work, and I ask him. Why? We have people here. I mean, I, I, I look, I understand they need help. But why aren't we doing more here? 
why aren't the churches in America doing more for the people in America who need the help? And why aren't the churches going down en masse, the Christian men and women like Coach Dave? Why aren't they going down en masse? So my only, my closing comment to you is this. Out of, and we intend and we are and we will continue to support Coach Dave Live, his efforts. And I would urge anyone who is looking for something to do, please volunteer your time, contribute to the cause. You can make a lot of difference in many people's lives by just doing a few simple things. CoachDaveLive.com is the absolute. He's doing the work of 10 people, and his group is doing the work of FEMA and Red Cross combined, or Red Plus combined. And I'm so proud to know that man, and I'm so proud to call him a Christian, Christian brother. And I just hope that everyone supports Coach Dave Live, Coach Dave, his wife, his crew, and whatever we can do, we intend to do that. Joe, I'm going to leave you with the closing comments. I just want to say good night, everyone. Yeah, and it was a great show. Uh, Jackie of the Hagman team joined us in the first segment, Coach Dave in segment two, and that was awesome, very heartfelt. Um, all the fantastic work they're doing, the money they've been able to raise, the volunteers from different parts of the country who selflessly went there to help those people. And as I said in the beginning of the show, in on Monday, there is an article from Hagman Report linked to from the Washington Times that was just a great article talking about the impact Christians have, that they, Christians, have mobilized and have done more for hurricane relief victims than FEMA. And probably, I would say, you know, organizations like the Red Cross and others combined. And that says a whole lot. And that's, you know, putting your faith into action. And there's nothing uh, more special than being able to minister and to especially help those in need uh, when they lost everything. I mean, just imagine that. If you were in there, in that situation that you lost everything and you have all these promises from organizations to help rebuild and, and uh, supply money and, and supplies, never for it to be seen. But then you have a group of Christians who have banded together and have had a huge impact, more so than the government can even uh, keep up with. And that is true Christianity. And that is what has made America great for so long, is that spirit of Americanism and the people coming together in times of disaster and distress to work together towards the goal of making our communities better and again it does not get much better than that again fantastic show close it out strong with iq al razuli and we want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in for listening for supporting the show through prayers uh, through donations we uh, are a listener supported organization and if you go to hagmanreport.com and you're led to do so click the donate button and uh, send us a donation if you can't do that spread the word about the show say a prayer for us uh, anything can help your support Boy, need is what keeps us alive so we can't thank you enough for that until tomorrow stay safe god bless and have a great evening join the doug hagman show from nine to ten and the hagman daily show from two to three tomorrow make sure you do that spread the word about those shows as we hope to make just as big an impact there as we do here 
That'll do it for us tonight. Have a great one. 